0: we'll take a random commander and we will with chat build an entire functioning commander deck in the entire stream and play test it and and stuff like that um and i thought it was just a really cool way to like at first kind of integrate an interest of mine into streaming and then i it kind of turned into its own thing of like chat helping me build a deck and i really liked it a lot because I felt like I had a better relationship with the people who were watching me because I didn't have to have my attention on chat, but also a game and my three other opponents. I was able to just solely have my focus in on like the deck that we're building and like the recommendations. Um, And it started out with me going, you know, I have no idea how to build this. um, So let's do it together. And then it kind of turned into this, we're going to build this together flat out. Let's see what we can do and accomplish together as a group of like 30 some odd people focus on the feeling that you get when you make content that was a big game changer for me because i did arena and i was like this is what i have to do to be a content creator because in my mind i was like this is what you do in order for me to be successful i have to stream arena but i didn't like it and i didn't do well and it showed (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um focus on the feeling that you have when you make the content and if you're enjoying the content if you would watch it yourself if you have fun doing it then that is important to kind of hold on to that you know don't don't force yourself to do something that you won't like just because you feel like it might be you know the more like successful option for you you know at the end of the day your your passion and your enjoyment is going to shine through more than anything else
1: welcome this week we're talking to chase Carroll, also known as mana chase is a trained psychologist and social worker as well as one of the most welcoming magic content creators around. Chase is a triple threat when it comes to Commander content. They write, stream, and podcast on a regular basis. Chase is also known for pioneering the art of the collaborative, inclusive deck build. In this conversation, we explore Chase's personal backstory and what it's like to be a public creator and all of the mental challenges that come along with it. It's a wide-ranging conversation Make sure you use the timestamps in the description to help you navigate to the topics that you are interested in. Now, let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to the audio version of Humans of Magic. This project is a labor of love, and I do it on a part-time basis. I wanted to let you know about all the ways that you can support the project. Number one. Tell a friend. If you like the content, please pass it on and let others know about the pod. I'm always looking for new listeners. Number two, subscribe to the Humans of Magic YouTube channel. The video version of the podcast is the best one because you can see my guests. You can see all their fun expressions and it's awesome. Go to humansofmagic.com and find all my social links there, including YouTube. That's humansofmagic.com. Last but not least, I have a Humans of Magic Patreon at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Totally optional, but your direct support goes a super long way. Patrons will have access to my exclusive Discord chat and will have the ability to suggest future guests. If you like the sound of that, Head on over to patreon.com/slash humansofmagic. Once again, thank you for being a fan and thanks for listening. Let's get to this week's episode. How did you come up with the name Mana curves? Like was um, it just a spontaneous thing?
0: Yeah, I, I like I like making usernames. I have a handful that I've made just for fun um, and I was trying to like do like a play on words because I was like it's like fun to do something catchy and um, like I'm like curvy and it, there's it just worked really well I typed it in on Twitter it wasn't taken I said snatch we're done here <laughs> <laughs> and I got very lucky and I was very happy
1: <laughs> what what are some of your other alts like what, what what sorts of things do you have in the back back of the bag
0: my favorite one and I, to this day no one has snatched it um is it's it's ractoseckis so it's like if you're like a beer person <laughs> but you're also into ractos i was very proud of that one when i made that one <laughs> you, you have
1: to get you have to like go to twitter now and just mm. like get that one because if someone listens to this don't it'll it won't this won't be out for a few weeks but yeah. if someone listens to it could they, they could they might squat on it so that might be a problem right
0: honestly i i've actually tweeted it out into the ether before i'm like these are my ideas please take them <laughs> use them well i just thought it was really fun one day and i just like made like a tiny little list i'm like go for it
1: are there other ones that you have in in your repertoire repertoire
0: yeah um oh my god well one of them was jace the meme sculptor but like that one is definitely taken by now um mm-hmm. And then a couple aren't appropriate, so I don't want to say them.
1: <laughs> is there one that you have like to signify your love of horror films? Because I know you're really into that.
0: No, I've been trying to think of one because i I had a couple of good ones for Star Wars, um, and I just haven't come up with any good ones for horror movies, um, which makes me sad. Like I haven't really sat down and thought about that. Actually, I like that idea.
1: What do you have? Chase the Jedi, or or what? What, what is it?
0: it it was darth maul kind of cop a... <laughs> okay because <laughs> i liked darth maul and i had just finished watching paul blart and i saw, saw it it was darth ah, Mall cop and i thought it was okay. very clever
1: <laughs> yes so uh total tangent aside chase how are you mm-hmm. doing tonight
0: good good i like took a little bit of a nap and i'm feeling like energetic and good so thank you how are you
1: I'm, I'm doing good. I, I just woke up maybe an hour and a half ago. It's morning over here in China. So Ooh. we're like on opposite ends of the, the planet here. Oh, yeah. all, Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It is 9 16 a.m. So
0: yeah, oh, wow. I'm doing
1: good. Yeah, actually, I, I was a little bit more sluggish than usual today. I think mm-hmm. I had too much to drink last night. I don't usually drink that much, but I was hanging out with a A friend whom i haven't seen for a while and i Mm -hmm. we just we just had a couple of uh glasses of wine so i gotta Mm -hmm. gotta be more careful with that but uh i don't know are you uh are you a drinker are you are you into alcoholic stuff
0: no no i i feel really bad um i don't like alcohol unless it's like super sweet um and also uh i don't like spending the money on it because it's so expensive and i i live in like a like a beer town like so it's everywhere and i'm like i don't like it i don't like C- the can you say where
1: it. where you are like what's the beer town
0: uh i live in uh Asheville, uh north carolina right now um okay. and it's like a very it's like a really awesome place in the middle of like north carolina it's kind of in the middle of the bible belt um and it's like very like hippy dippy vibes here mm-hmm. um it's like a really good food town It it's also kind of just like hallmark there's like a lot of breweries here um, mm-hmm. it's like a college mm-hmm. town too I actually went to uh, undergrad here um and I missed it so much so I moved back
1: oh awesome yeah so uh this is like maybe stereotyping, but it's like i've never lived in the us proper but whenever I visited uh, cities in the us I always feel like every city I visited has like awesome breweries and just has like lots of culinary as well as drink mm-hmm. options is that just like i I just have a sense that it's really exploded like just in terms of like, I don't know how long you've been in, like you said, you went to to college there mm-hmm. uh, and that must've been a few years back. Like, has it, has it changed a lot since you moved back or?
0: Not really, no. A lot of places have like closed down from COVID, which is a bit of a bummer. I went to find my favorite burrito place and it was gone and I was very sad. Um, it's pretty much the same. Like this place is like very different from where I grew up because where I grew up is like conservative and you know it's slowly like opening up in terms of like bars and stuff there's no breweries there but where i live now tons of breweries it's always been that way so very much kind of like a a college town
1: very very cool very cool um is uh do you like is everything within walking distance like do you have to get a car to drive drive around or
0: yeah, I um, I live like 15 minutes from downtown, which is where like all, all of the stuff is. But uh, if you go downtown, you can just walk around and pretty much find everything. It's just, it's also a bit of a touristy city too. So I actually try to avoid downtown like the plague because it's <laughs> very busy and there's a lot of people and I just don't want to deal with that.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. What's the coolest thing about Asheville for you?
0: Um... The coolest thing about Asheville is I I just I love the appearance of it, the aesthetic of it. It's it's so unique. It, uh, a really fun fact about Asheville that I found out um, when I watched the TV show Portlandia was that originally it was supposed to take place in Asheville, uh, but Asheville was like nope, <laughs> so they went to <laughs> they went to Portland, Oregon instead. That's what I was told by a friend, and I thought that was really cool because I think it kind of captures the vibe of Asheville like super well.
1: like like kind of just no we're not we're not doing that or
0: (laughs) they were like no we don't we don't want to be made fun of (laughs) oh i see i see
1: i get you i get you Mm -hmm. um yeah but yeah i I understand like uh drinking costs a lot of money and i i I, like your magic collection this Mm -hmm. is talk about a weird like kind of sort of quasi tangent but i imagine Mm -hmm. that you you have to like spend your resources on magic cards like you you have quite the collection right if if the if if I can judge from your tweets so
0: yeah yeah I um I have like a lot of I have a lot of cards because I buy a lot of I buy a lot of sealed product but I also buy a lot of cards um I I have uh some sponsorships so I get like a lot of like play mats and deck boxes and stuff and um I have like just like a ton of like this is like half of it (laughs) like my whole shelf is like full of like magic stuff cuz i really wanted my office to like be where like it contained my magic stuff so i have a mm-hmm. i have a lot of stuff that i've accumulated over it'll be 7 years in december
1: Do you mean 7 years as in that's uh, you've been playing or collecting magic for 7 years? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got we got to get into that. How okay. how like what what how did you get involved with magic?
0: Yeah. Um, so I was in college. It's very funny. Cause I know the exact day too. Cause I posted it on Facebook. So like, I know my magic anniversary, like to the day it was, uh, December 8th of, uh, 2015. <laughs> and, um, my boyfriend at the time, uh, was really into magic. And I, you know, was like, you know, I want to have like a shared interest with my partner. I want to show interest in something that he really loves. So, um, I asked him to teach me how to play magic. And we uh, sat down on the, the floor of uh, his college dorm. And he was like, what color do you like? And he listed Wooburg. And I was like, black sounds cool. And so he handed me like a little deck. He had built a kitchen table deck of like mono black life gain. And he was like, all right, let's sit down and we're going to learn how to play. And that's how I learned.
1: What was the the... What was the... I I know you said mono black, but I'm I'm wondering mm-hmm. like how did did you have cards initially that you were really drawn to at first sight or first play? I guess
0: I just thought the aesthetic of mono black was really cool because um, that deck had like uh Zathrid Necromancer, Zulaport Cutthroat, Death Cultist, Necropolis Regent, like all of those things were in there, and I was like, this is so cool! I I love how like uh edgy it looked like i thought it just kind of like fit the vibe i really liked which was you know um because like we've we've talked about like horror movies and stuff like I, I i think that kind of stuff was cool like the macabre i just find very interesting and so i was like this is kind of sick and that's kind of how i started was just kind of like looking at the art thinking it was cool wanting to impress my partner at the time <laughs> yeah and, yeah
1: did he do a good job teaching you how to play magic
0: um, he taught me the basics because he didn't know what commander was at the time. He had only been doing like kitchen table with his, with his like childhood friends. And he taught me kitchen table. So like we had like 60 card decks that had like soul ring in it. Um And I didn't know that that was like not a thing you could do. Sure. So like I got, I got the rules down pretty easily. Um, And then I, I found out that other people in his like dorm building also played. And I knew of them because they were in a couple of my psychology classes with me. So I was like this is a good way to make friends. So I played with them uh one night and I was like this is really cool. Um I asked them what format they were playing. They said commander and then I eventually went and to my LGS and started building commander from there.
1: Did you did you go to the LGS on your own? Did you go as a unit or
0: Um he and I would go there on like little like day dates cuz we would take the bus to um like the uh towards the edge of campus and the lgs was in walking distance from campus so we would just like walk across main street and then go on like day dates and we would already have like our cards uh pre like typed out on like lists and we would ask to go through the singles because the owner had like singles that you could go through Mm -hmm. and we would just like go through them and try and find them so we would go um together and then when i started learning about commander more i would go by myself
1: Hmm. Yeah. How, how did you learn about commander? Was it through the store?
0: Uh, it was through, um, my, uh, my, uh, friends who lived in like the same building as my, my, uh, boyfriend at the time. Uh, cause I wanted to play magic with them, but all I had were my partner's, you know, illegal 60 card decks. And they were like, well, we play commander. And I was like, okay, what is that? And they were like this, these are the rules. I went, Sounds sick. <laughs> and I um went to my LGS and I walked up to the owner and I said, uh, what's the most powerful commander this is there is? And he said, Um, Firemind." Fire And I went, Cool, I'm gonna build that. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how it started.
1: That's an interesting answer to an interesting question. Do you yeah. have any idea to this day, like why the yeah. owner or the person at the store said that?
0: No, no. Um, and I, I I grew really close with the owner too, and he does not do, is it? So I have no idea why he told me that, but he did. And I was like, cool. And then that was my first commander. I built a Niv Firemind and I had fun with it. I loved it.
1: I'm wondering if you have some sort of, um, uh, psychological reading into as to why he recommended that to you it's just like or maybe it's, it's just it's one of the great mysteries of your magic origin story commander I really, origin story
0: i think it might be one of the great mysteries because i to this day dale is an enigma um he, <laughs> he, he's he's an he interesting... sounds like a
1: magic card dale the comma the enigma He is
0: yeah. so enigmatic i he lives in this area he he um he uh uh is a silent partner now with the new uh the owner of the shop her name is Sharla, amazing individual i still go to that same shop i love that shop i even had a job at that shop at one point like mm-hmm. it's like my shop and um yeah i haven't seen dale since i moved back here and i've been here like half a year I don't know is, where he is it
1: is. Is it just because you're so, uh, occupied with like doing web, web related or online stuff, or do you have (laughs) another LGS that you are patronizing now?
0: Um, I still go to the one that I went to in college. Um, but when I was back in my, uh, my hometown, I, I would go to a shop there and, uh, that shop was great. Um, because the partner that I was with who taught me how to play magic kind of ended up, uh, cheating on me yay
1: oh i'm sorry
0: (laughs) oh it's fine um it was like yeah oh god time has no meaning but it was a while ago i'm i'm healed (laughs) but i was like i'm surely gonna quit the game um now that he and i split up uh and then i found the card shop in my hometown and they literally like saved my relationship with magic which really helped a lot uh, because i thought i was going to drop it because it reminded me of him so much
1: yeah yeah Mm uh what was it like to work at a at an lgs
0: i loved it i loved it so much it was so great um i've worked at two uh one i didn't have the best experience in the other i had a really great experience in um and the one i had a great experience in is like the one that i I patron patronize now (laughs) that makes it sound like (laughs) i'm so mean but um Yeah, I loved it. I would just like go through singles and just grade them. And that's all I would do all day. (laughs) And And you love
1: that? I mean, it sounds pretty repetitive.
0: No, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was like a, a skill for me. Because it helped me learn all the set symbols. It helped me, you know, learn about new cards that I would want to buy later because I would be exposed to cards that I wouldn't look up normally. Um, it would also allow me to like touch expensive cards that I thought I would never be able to own. <laughs> like, I have a picture, uh, a Facebook memory came up of me taking a picture of a Chrome box, and I'm like, it's so cool. I can't afford it. <laughs> I still don't have one, but I was like, this is so cool. So I, I had a lot of fun doing it.
1: Was that the most expensive card you touched or did someone come in one day with a real black lotus or something crazy?
0: The most expensive card I ever touched was one that, uh, that the owner showed me that he had in his like private collection, which is one of the, one of the Charlie Brown cards do you know what's
1: that i have no idea okay so like a one of or something
0: so it's so weird and if i butcher this explanation i'm so sorry but basically at at one point if if and if i'm saying this wrong to the people listening i'm very sorry but um at a certain time like the printing presses with magic cards were shared with charlie brown comics i think so like some ink would be left over and so on certain cards, you can see like a faint, like Charlie Brown. Oh, and shit. If you type it up, like you can type, but I think some of the most prominent ones are on like the medallions, like the old medallions. And they're yeah. wild. And he showed it to me and he goes, Can you see right there, like Charlie Brown? And I went, What the heck?
1: And I thought it was oh, the my coolest goodness. thing.
0: Yeah. And it's the only time I've ever seen one.
1: Uh, that, that's incredible. Because yeah. you know how like sometimes people have these miscut cards and I know there's like people who are deliberately like cutting cards, miscut. So I was like, I don't really fully trust that sometimes. But yeah, yeah. It's like, if you have that, like Charlie Brown stamp on the card, like that's pretty, like that's gotta be some real oh, yeah. stuff. Right. Unless yeah. someone's like found the, like the, the chart, the Snoopy printers and are just putting <laughs> that on magic cards, which seems very <laughs> unlikely, but. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. So is that how you got your encyclopedia? Is that even a word or your encyclopedic knowledge of magic cards? I talked to a few people and they're like, yeah, Chase is like, like, like they know a lot of magic cards. Was that, was that like, was that all in in you all along? Or is that through working the LGS?
0: Working through card shops. And also I, I just, I, I don't have a photographic memory. Uh, That's very generous of me to say. Um, I remember art very well. Um, and sometimes I remember, um, it just kind of depends, but like, I remember art very well. Um, I remember set symbols really great. Uh, it definitely came from me, like working at that shop because the, uh, the owner, he would want me to like know like the set symbol and like what it was and what, where it came from and stuff like that. So it it became kind of second nature to me to know that. Um, and I kind of lost a little bit of that (laughs) because I don't, I'm not in that repetitive environment anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, for the most part, I have a pretty good, like grasp on it. Um, and if it's like a commander playable card, um, typically I know it. And especially through content too. Oh my God, I've, I've learned a lot of cards and I, I, for the most part, I would say I know a lot of them.
1: I feel like that's almost a condition of commander or EDH players is like, they have to have this vast knowledge of cards that might be why i can't get into it for some reason it's just like (laughs) my brain is just too small like i can't like i can barely remember cards that are like you know in rotation or whatever it is you know
0: i don't read cards i mean and i say that really it's really funny but like you just
1: see the art and then you you know what it is
0: not even that i mean yeah but like oh god like i make mistakes all the time with my cards like all the time like um Oh my god there's this uh red enchantment that i put in kadrick that i don't remember the name of it but it's new um and the art is of like a woman like making a like a bust like a sculpture bust and it's like at the beginning of combat on your turn you you may populate uh, and that token gains haste or whatever and i put that in my kadrick super friends deck because i make token copies of planeswalkers and i'm like this is perfect and then i read the actual card and it says populate is create a, a copy of a
1: token creature
0: And I was like, Mm -hmm. "Oh, well, I didn't read, so (laughs) I had to take that out," and I was really bummed.
1: How many times does that happen where you're you're playing the deck and you realize that it was just because you didn't fully understand what the card did? It just Mm -hmm. kind of in a maybe even in a kind of a a live recording situation or something. Does that ever happen, or do you test it pretty thoroughly?
0: It, it, for the most part, wh- I, I deck build a lot of my streams now, and a lot of the decks that I've made have come from there now, which is actually really nice. So um, typically, uh, chat catches it or I catch it, so it doesn't happen too often. But every now and then I made a couple mistakes. My biggest mistake was before I even started making content, and it was before um, the the commander rule change about you know uh, commanders dying. Um, they would like, they wouldn't hit the graveyard and then go back to the command zone. They would just go back to the command zone. So I shilled out a lot of money on making this cuckoo show deck. Um, and then when I was like play testing it, I was so excited. I was like, he has to stay in the graveyard. I was so sad. I wasted so much money. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I can't build this. So I tore it apart and I felt so bad. So it has happened to me at, in a grand scale before, but not wow. too, not too much now.
1: That's really neat. I mean, not not, not not neat as in like good for <laughs> you, but it's just it's just very unusual because like I, I, I'm more on the constructed side. So I often I hear about people complaining about, oh, you know, this banning like invalidated my deck. But in this mm-hmm. case, it was an actual rules change that invalidated your whole deck, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Now, now it matters. Now they can hit the yard and it's great because they go back to the command zone, but oh God, little college chase was so sad because i had like spent the money on like the new art cuckoo show and it was like when he was really mm-hmm. expensive and i bought a magic deck box and yeah it was very sad
1: <laughs> do you have any idea how much your magic collection is worth like if you because you, you you're an lgs or you were a former lgs employee you must have some ideas to the kind of valuation of your it's okay if you don't want to save but, no i mean I... <laughs> it sounds pretty sizable to me so
0: it's it's not that sizable i i have a lot of like like bulk rares uh, a lot of just like random singles like uncommons and commons if i see a promo i like i buy it um just because you know i like the art like there was a time where i bought there's like a bunch of like random dollar promos because i just thought the art was so sick um i don't know the exact like value of it, it's it's enough that I when I told when I was uh, talking to my mom, I was like, if anything ever happens to me, I'm like <laughs> don't give them away. <laughs> I'm like, sell them. It's a nest egg for you. <laughs> if something happens to me, please don't don't chuck it in the garbage. It's
1: it's a good thing you started playing Magic later on in life because there's always these old stories about people who like used to play um, I don't know Beta and then their parents <laughs> threw out their cards because they were just sitting there in the attic. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, my mom. Yeah, does, yeah. My mom kept my old Yu-Gi-Oh collection because uh, she. Oh, was you like, were a
1: Yu-Gi-Oh player.
0: Not even a player. I was like seven, and I watched the anime, and I thought it was really cool. So she just, I just bought cards because I wanted to be like the anime.
1: <laughs> oh, so you were just collecting, just just oh, like yeah. you like the look of the cards.
0: I was okay. a child, a little little child, like I. Have the it's still in my mom's attic. I need to go spelunking and find it. But I had the uh, original dual disc toy that mm. you could like wear and everything. And I was I was the coolest kid in kindergarten that day because I brought that in for show and tell. Everybody <laughs> loved me.
1: <laughs> we got to go back into your 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 backstory a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. so are you a North Carolina native? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So you were uh, whereabouts? Like, it's just Asheville? Is that is that where you you grew up or?
0: Uh, no. So I grew up in a, in a small, small town. It was a uh, high point, like itty bitty teeny tiny town. Um, It's, it's known as being like a furniture capital. And when I say that people chuckle, but like, it's like a dead town, but twice a year we get tons of people coming in. Cause it's like a very big furniture city. Like there's like a, a gigantic uh, chest of drawers, the size of a house just in the middle of Of a neighborhood i wish that was a joke but like it's just a giant chest of drawers very furniture centric people um but i grew up there and then uh when i went to college i went to Asheville here uh and then uh grad school i went back home for grad school when i finished grad school i moved back here
1: excellent Mm -hmm. any idea why uh you said high point right is that the name yeah. Why was it the furniture? Why was it so well known for furniture? Did, was there were there just a lot of furniture artisans, or like was there a lot of timber around to make furniture, or like natural materials? What was it?
0: I have no idea. Honestly, I wish I was super. Just you grew up around it, so you're like, oh, it's it's you market. just take it for
1: granted. Like, yeah. that's what it is.
0: Yeah, honestly, it was. It's rough. Market is rough for everybody who lives there, but um, it's like the biggest like. Com-, com commercial, I guess you could say, biggest commercial time of year for like high point is like that's where like the money is is like furniture market.
1: Yeah. So what did you like to do as a kid other than uh, collecting Yu-Gi-Oh stuff?
0: <laughs> I loved to play video games uh, a ton. I was raised, uh, ba- I was practically raised with an Xbox controller in my hand, um, which okay. I very actually I'm very thankful for because it's kind of like shaped my whole sort of like life I guess you could say that sounds so dramatic but like my 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 hobbies have really like impacted my life a lot
1: what was your xbox jam
0: um I my my dad raised me on a game you probably shouldn't raise uh like a six-year-old on uh but I played a lot of dead or alive as a child um (laughs) yeah I know I know (laughs) it's a weird one but yeah. dead or alive. Um, and time splitters and halo were like my three big games I played as a kid.
1: Okay. Do you have any siblings?
0: No, only child. Okay. Can you tell?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't want to make assumptions. Uh, so how did you play? Did you play like against the computer? Did you play against your parents? Like, did you play online? What was it? Oh,
0: I would play with my dad all the time, all the time. Um, my parents got divorced but when I was young, we would play together, um, and then when I would visit my dad after the divorce, um, we would just play games all the time
1: on the Xbox. Just that would be like what we would do. Just bring out the old uh, Dead or Alive. <laughs> uh, I don't know which version it was at the time. There's been like a million sequels, right?
0: Yep. There, I think there's like... I think Seven just came out recently. I have okay. not picked up that one yet, but I, I still love the game. Um, What's but I your... Would,
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say, I would just, I mean, I still play it. I I have, uh, have it in my living room. I do like the game a lot. (laughs)
1: What's your, what's your dead or alive main? Like what's, what's your go-to character?
0: My, my go-to character was Kasumi because when I was young, I was like, Oh, she has red hair like me. So I have to be Kasumi. Um, and then in the DS version, (laughs) Which I also purchased. I would main uh, Alpha One Fifty Two, which, to be fair, is a broken character, so it's kind of cheap. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, she's Kasumi, but blue and see through, so I have to play her. <laughs> are you pretty?
1: It, are you pretty competitive with DOA? Like, are you are you like competing, or have you ever been in like tournaments, or or like I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've never I've never competed in like. Like fighting game tournaments, like real ones, um, but I'm very competitive in when I play fighting games because um, they're just like it's just one thing I grew up with, so I really love it. So I did a lot. Uh, there was like a video game club when I was in college. I would go there and I would bring my copy of like Injustice or, or Dead or Alive, or even, I would even play other people's like version of Tekken. Um, I loved it, and I would um, I would go hard. <laughs> like uh, oh god, when I was in. I think it was like I was a sophomore in college. My my neighbors across my dorm were a group of guys, and I was like, "Hey, I was like, if you want to play video games, let me know." And we played Dead or Alive, and one of the uh, <laughs> one of the the guys was um, there was like four guys in the room. One of them I think didn't like really like me because i was like i really like fighting games and i'm very good at them so he was like well let's play this let's play dead or alive i was like okay so i played dead or alive and i kept winning and then i got a little cocky and i feel really bad about this but it's a it's a funny story uh we were sitting on the couch and i sat on the couch upside down so that my head is where your feet would be and i was playing upside down and i I still won (laughs) (laughs) i still won and he got mad (laughs)
1: you should get mad if you get beaten by someone like sitting upside down and like inverted or whatever you call that just you have you're so you're you're pretty proficient at the game like you you've or relatively speaking you're better than definitely than the average gamer that's playing it right
0: i would say i'm pretty good if you put me against a professional i would lose in a heartbeat i don't memorize combos i'm just like i'm just you know, like one with the controller, man, just vibing, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying myself.
1: Are <laughs> you are you a, a gamepad or are you a joystick kind of person? Uh,
0: I'm I'm a controller person. I I've tried to do sort of like the 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 classic style, like the arcade style. I just feel like my hands are all over the place, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel like I'm like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands half the time when I'm using one of those yeah. things. So I'm yeah. like, I need a controller. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Awesome, awesome. I I feel like there's so many, just a lot of people in magic that mm-hmm. even content creators that are just into a lot of different stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I I feel like like we all we all always just represent one part of ourselves. Like I used to be really into Street Fighter, uh, I, and Ooh. Virtual Fighter. I don't know if you were in, ever played those games or it was just Tekken and DOA for you.
0: Um, I had a copy of Marvel versus Capcom, but that's really all I had. I never really got to like play Street Fighter.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess doa is your your gem it's uh it's it's quite a it's quite something like yeah, I, I, that's I, a
0: way to put it
1: <laughs> i i encountered doa like i think i was like i don't know maybe like 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. and i have to admit like i was i was like hypnotized by you know the the physics of the game and yeah. so i never really got into it but i <laughs> i was more into other games but it was just kind of like this is like a very japanese thing like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not japanese but it's just like that is a very <laughs> japanese thing too
0: I, it's just weird because I just, because I was raised on it, I just would, I just, I guess it's kind of like, your got, world. I, I just, I'm not, I was used to it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels weird, but I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> can you tell me a bit about your, like your mom? What, what is she like?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom is probably. In all honesty, like the in, the strongest and smartest person I would know, she she's very sharp, um, and she she's very emotional, but uh, very emotional in the way that that's where she gets her strength from is like her her passion and and her her drive and everything. She's very she's very strong. She's a very strong person. Um, and that caused uh, a lot of head butting <laughs> when I was younger because I'm very similar to her in that way. Um, so it was just constant, like all the time in childhood.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's, that's usually pretty common, like fighting with, uh, parents and butting heads and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, hopefully you guys have a better or n- a less adversarial relationship. <laughs> yeah. In these
0: days. Yeah, we do. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, from playing Magic, working in LGS, like what was the first foray you had into, into actually uh, doing content publicly of some sort?
0: The the first piece of content I ever made was um, uh, an article series I did for I think it was Masters of Magic. Um, it was a website. And I had this idea, it was called cabal therapy. And it was where I wanted to marry the concept of magic and mental health together. Um, Because at the time I was uh, in grad school, um, uh, getting my uh, master's in social work. And I was like, let's kind of combine both these things together um, just to give it a try because I wanted to because all I had had been doing at that point was just like tweeting. Um, And I wanted to like try something out. So I reached out to a couple of people and they got back to me and I released like, I think it was like four or five articles about magic and mental health.
1: Mm. Okay. So this was like back in 2017 around then?
0: Probably. Probably. I would say 2017, I think it's hard to remember because the pandemic kind of messed up my mental timeline a little bit, Yeah, but it was in my first year of grad school, I would say.
1: Okay. Mm. Okay. And how how what what was the so you did that series and what 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 came out of that? Like what made you want to, you know, keep doing magic related stuff?
0: I honestly, I really I don't know why I kept doing it. I just really liked it. I thought it was fun. Um I thought it was really cool to like talk to people about things I liked because at that point I uh, was in a graduate graduate program and it was you had like no time to like do anything. So I had like no time to um make friends or anything and I had just split up with my partner so I had lost like that whole friend group and like dynamic there and I was really isolated. So I thought magic was like a really good way to kind of channel that and I found my LGs and they were great and I would go to like I would go to a game night once a week, which was nice, but I still felt like I didn't really have that community. Um, And so, you know, I thought it was kind of great to just like reach out to people online and have that shared interest. And I thought it'd be cool to just kind of keep talking about it. So I would write, I would tweet, and eventually I forayed into streaming. I have no idea why I did. I cannot remember for the life of me, (laughs) but I was like, let's try this now.
1: That yeah, I was gonna ask about that, like, because uh, like writing and streaming are so so different. Like, uh, I'm I'm curious. Like, going back, what what were some of your? Was it just like very impulsive? I just kind of feel like trying something new, or was it was was there some other thing to it?
0: I just knew that I wanted to make content, and at that time, um I was like, the only way to make content is to stream arena, because like that was like the big arena pop, and like everybody who was streaming on Twitch. With under the magic like umbrella was arena and I was like I gotta do this um and I didn't really like it because I didn't really like arena I didn't really have fun with those formats mm-hmm. and so um I was like man I really want to like keep doing content you know I want to make a name for myself and I want to have fun um but I don't like doing uh arena um and I think how it was I was talking to Logan about it and he was like, well, you should do Commander. And I was like, well, I don't want to copy the people who are already doing Commander, which was, I think only at, at the at the time was Olivia. I think she was the one who was just like the sole Commander streamer, like Paper Commander streamer. And I was like, well, I want to do that, but I don't want to, I don't want to copy. And he was like, you're not, because <laughs> I, I stress out about things so much. He was like, you're not, it's fine. Um, Do that instead. Cause you know, you're obviously like not having fun with arena and I wasn't. Um, and then I eventually just gave that a try and I was like, now this is fun, and I can see why people enjoy this. <laughs> it just took a shift for me.
1: What was it like to stream Commander for the first time?
0: Um, it was really fun. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I first did uh Moto streams because I really had no idea how to how to do like a paper commander setup, if I'm being right. honest. I was like macgyvering my way if i if i'm being completely honest with my setup it was a nightmare um so uh when i did paper i was very excited because i felt like i that was like a level up moment for me because i was like you know streaming and i wanted to have fun and i wanted to make a name for myself and i wasn't doing anything i enjoyed and so when i did it i was like this is great i love this um it was scary because my setup was so garbage (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was it was bad. I was using my old college laptop that if you did not have it plugged into the charger it would die immediately. Um a borrowed webcam uh and a pair of like gamer headphones that had a microphone in it um mm-hmm. that was also borrowed. <laughs> and that's what I was using. It was just the worst setup you could imagine.
1: Mhm. How do you get over that initial anxiety, like, I guess there's two senses of anxiety. One is just like, okay, maybe you feel the way you described it. Maybe you felt like the setup wasn't exactly what you wanted. You know, you were, you were on borrowed equipment, uh, the laptop that, uh, would die instantly if it wasn't plugged in, I we've all been there with those kind of laptops, uh, -hmm. with like the super loud fans and whatnot. Right. Uh, but, uh, there's also another aspect to the anxiety, which is just being public. Like, so how, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you manage that as in the beginning?
0: It, it's weird because I still deal with it. I I don't really like to be perceived, which I think is a very funny thing to feel uh, when like you know content is like your job um, and you know like you're editing and you're writing and you're streaming and stuff. And I still deal with that a lot. You know, like how people perceive me, like visually and, and physically and everything. And it's it's very difficult. Um, and it's something that I feel like I still struggle with to be completely open and honest about. Um, but I think for me, what helped me the most was that, you know, I'm doing something that I really like. Um, and if people don't like it, they're probably not going to watch it. So who cares?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and just kind of focusing on the experience that I was making for myself and the experience I was having with others. Cause all I wanted to do at that moment was like play with friends. And if it's, if it did well, happy bonus you know it was better than what i was doing which was streaming something i wasn't enjoying um and you know at that point i felt like that really outweighed the anxiety i felt of like numbers and perception and you know if i was doing a good job or not and i was just like i just want to do this and have fun and we'll see what comes from it
1: yeah, and you were still in uh you were still doing your masters at the time?
0: Yes. <laughs> Probably not okay. the smartest idea, but yes. <laughs> okay.
1: But it sounds like maybe uh if I can read into it like mm-hmm. the the some of the stuff you're going through like in the master mm-hmm. stuff is like pretty intense and demanding like you said you bear, you don't have time for a lot of stuff. So maybe this mm-hmm. became a kind of outlet or a way to de-stress almost, right? Just playing with friends and such.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely that for me because Uh, A lot of the friends that I had, I had made online at that point. And it just, you know, you're, you're, you're busy, you're, you're practicing. Cause my, uh, the, the reason why I chose my, my master's program, I chose a master's in social work because you, as part of your education got to experience a caseload. It wasn't just like you read about it for two years and then you graduate. For Mm -hmm. me, it was, you read about it while also doing it (laughs) which was very stressful um and i'm really thankful that i had the internships that i had uh because my first internship i only had one client they really eased me into it and a lot of my uh my friends in my cohort did not have that luxury um so i consider myself very lucky because when i got into my second year um i had a oh god i want to say like a caseload of 12 uh, Cause I had a a a group and then I had uh, like, I think it was like a group of like amorphous. So it was like seven to eight, maybe it kind of kept changing. And then like six or seven individual clients
1: by myself as well. That's, that's pretty intense going from one yep. to, uh, to the deep end of whatever the proverbial deep end. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It was a lot. It was very intense. I was constantly uh, panicking. <laughs>
1: But but it sounds like you were really into it, right? Or even 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 describing it today, really into it. Like, so did you have a very strong desire to be to do something in that field, like social work? Or
0: yeah, I really wanted to be a therapist. Um, That was what I really wanted to do. I got my bachelor's in psychology, and I really liked it. Um, And my family encouraged me to get a master's degree because they were like, you know, I don't know if you can practice with just a bachelor's, which fair. So I was like, cool, let's do it. You know, why not? Um <laughs> it was also a way for me to stall because I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. This is so scary. Ah. So mm. I was like, more school. That'll solve the problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it always does. <laughs> and um I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed what I learned about a lot. I'm really thankful for the program that I um that I that I chose um because it was so hands on and because they, they had a very very big emphasis on um, social issues that I feel like a lot of programs I was looking at originally did not have, um, and I I was very thankful for that because um, I felt like there were instances when I was in you know my internships where I had to advocate for my clients in a way that I felt like you know my other you know uh, peers weren't really seeing in that way because it's a different perspective when you look at somebody as only as like this is a client that these are their presenting issues they want me to help them with these issues whereas in social work you're taught to be like this is my client these are their presenting issues they have these issues they also are having issues with employment and child care and health care um mm-hmm. access to services um you know stuff like that like um a lot of the therapy I provided, I was really happy I was able to do it because it was free um, mm-hmm. because I was an intern. So a lot of my clients that I had uh, were um, would normally not be able to get the services that we were providing because they were so specialized and expensive. So for me, that was a really good thing. I really liked that a lot. So when COVID hit, I was really heartbroken because we couldn't continue anymore Mm-hmm. Um And so I had to drop all my clients because my master's program was like, you can't do telehealth. Um, You have to drop your clients and you have to tell them, hey, I'm so sorry, no more free services. Mm-hmm. Good luck. And I hated that. It absolutely broke my heart.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds absolutely uh, tough for both parties, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, involved. And was there like a regulatory reason why couldn't do the telehealth thing? <laughs> or like it was just a policy or...
0: They, they, uh, my master's program specifically was like, there could be issues with HIPAA because, you know, some of you might be living with partners or live with your parents or have kids or maybe the walls are thin. Like they just, they were like, we are worried about HIPAA. We don't want to have any HIPAA issues. Privacy, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, no, (laughs) they just shut it down, which I get, but heartbreaking.
1: That's unfortunate. I feel like they almost need to develop technology to, um, to mitigate that, like be able mm. to do it online and be like HIPAA certified or privacy certified, like that would be a big game changer, I think.
0: Well, there there are ways to do telehealth because a lot of therapists are currently still doing telehealth. I think mm-hmm. it's just because it was a graduate program and they did not want to make the school liable for anything. Liability, sure. And they, yeah. I think they didn't even, because at the time we did not know how long we were going to be in quarantine or anything. Like it was, everything was up in the air. So I think they just wanted to like be as safe as possible, and just right. were like, you know what, we're done. Yeah. So a lot of our internship hours were cut super short, which was really disappointing. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you want everybody to be safe and and comfortable, and you don't want to cause any issues or especially mm-hmm. any HIPAA violations. So I completely get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you grow up a people person because it, it it seems to me like it's one thing to like go to grad school and get trained on this like social work, but you mm-hmm. also have to have kind of a an affinity for it right like did you grow up a people person like being able to just easily connect with uh, people like starting from stranger to having a, a more a deeper uh, interpersonal relationship
0: no <laughs> not at all. I, uh, I, I still have issues, uh, you know, with, with being like a people person, and very introverted. Um, you know, it was really funny cause I was talking to my mom like a week ago and she was like, you know, you're very introverted, but you, you know, you act very extroverted. And I'm like, I, I guess so. <laughs> cause I, 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 I'm not really a people person. I would like to be. Um, mm-hmm. but for me, like the reason why I chose that field is cause I really wanted to help people. Um, which I know sounds like so cliche or whatever, um, but I really, no, did it's, not. it's good. It's good to want
1: to help people. I don't think that's cliched.
0: I just, I really liked it, you know, because for, for me, a lot of people, I mean, mental health is super stigmatized even, even now oh, I mean, yeah. things have gotten a lot better for sure, but things are still horrible. Um, and so when it, when it came to that, I really wanted to be able to provide services for, for people and help them. Like I, um, a lot of the the therapy that i provided in my final uh internship was uh, dbt therapy which stands for dialectical behavioral therapy um it's a very intense therapy that uh, applies skills with um, a client it literally gives homework like quite quite literally pages of homework um it's very intense and it was for you know um you know it's not the average therapy Um, so I got to work with a lot of, you know, um, a lot of clientele that, um, you know, a lot of other people wouldn't feel comfortable working with in, as, as as an intern. Um, so for me, I really got put into the deep end because a lot of my people in my cohort were working, you know, at like child protective services or working at, um, you know, as a, as a hospital advocate, I had some, some friends in my cohort, um, help advocate for like, you know, the, the, the mental health for surgical, uh, surgical patients and and things like that. So like, it was like a speckling all over the board, but I, um, I loved what I did because I got to provide a specialized therapy for people who really needed it. Um, and that's what I really wanted to do was like work in a very intense, specialized, uh, setting. Um, and I'm really glad that I did because, it, it shaped a lot of, I feel like how I act nowadays and how I tackle things nowadays. That's a very long-winded me, way of me talking.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, and where do you think your sense of empathy comes from?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably like a weird thing, but, um, for, for me, I just, it, it breaks my heart personally to see kind of the way that, our society, even like our, our healthcare system, treats treats individuals with with mental with mental health. Like a lot of people say, oh, you know, like, oh my God, like a lot of the language we learned is like, oh, you know, like, God, this person, like. They're, they're like a depressive person, you know, it's like, they're a person with depression or, you know, we were even taught like, you know, it's a homeless person. No, it's a person experiencing homelessness. Like even in our very language, we, we kind of dehumanize a lot of people who suffer with these issues. And, and for me, it it really made me sad. And I also struggled a lot with like mental health stuff when I was, uh, in school And, you know, I didn't really (laughs) get help for it. And I wanted to kind of in a way provide the help that I felt like I wasn't really able to get, or I wasn't even really comfortable to get. Um, And I feel like it's just kind of a culmination of a lot of those things. So when I say like, I don't know, it's like, it's a lot of different stuff. It's, you know, um, my, my desire to like, my desire to help people, my desire to help myself, uh, my desire to have things be better because We've come very far with our perception of of mental health. Um, But at the same time, it's still used in like Hollywood as like, you know, like a scary movie, you know, like, oh, this person has split personality disorder. So, you know, they must be a serial killer or like we 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 blame it on um, violence that we see in the media. You know, they have mental health issues, you know, stuff like that. It's it's scapegoated a lot. And for me, yeah, it's that... used
1: as almost like a chip or like a, a tool in someone's agenda, right?
0: Yeah. And it, it upsets me a lot because that's, that's not the case, but it's so easy to say, you know, they did X, Y, Z because they were depressed or they did X, Y, Z because they were bipolar or, or anything like that. Like the, the, the language that we have today is, it has a long way to go and it, I don't know. Talking about stuff like that makes me really emotional because like, I'm no longer in that field. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I can't really impact things like the way I I originally thought I could. Um, It's very different.
1: I wouldn't quite say that because I feel like uh, you're a very good advocate for these sorts of topics in the magic sphere. So Mm -hmm. I know I've talked to people who are like, uh you know, all I'm doing is like playing magic or doing magic content. But I think you still have the ability to impact people mm-hmm. uh, in your spirit. Right. And sometimes people just need to to hear that. I think you've been um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is like, I, I feel like you've been very like in a good way public about that, that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think someone out there uh, will benefit from that. So I think you're making an impact just kind of in a different in a different way. Right. And you could even argue maybe. The online impact you're making is actually arguably bigger than like okay like sitting down with someone face to face Mm -hmm. because that person may never tell anybody but you could actually tell like you could tell someone and it actually because of the internet it actually it actually spreads right because you have Mm -hmm. no idea there's like there's there might be like a ton of people that uh, are hearing your message or even through this little podcast like (laughs) like that 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 does mean something right so I, Mm -hmm. i i don't know i'm i wouldn't i wouldn't quite trivialize it is what i'm trying to say yeah
0: I feel like one of the main things that I really try to do when it comes to content is just be like a person, you know. Like I, I feel like sometimes, and I, I do this with myself a lot. I'll kind of get lost into sort of like, you know, like oh, like I do content, ooh, super cool. Like I do that to myself a lot, and I'm like your person.
1: <laughs> like I need to. <laughs> I'm like sometimes what? you need that to psych yourself up or to motivate yourself.
0: Yeah, right? I do because yeah. like I, I struggle with like, like a lot of comparison stuff i struggle a lot with like feelings of like anxiety and even some feelings of 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 depression too regarding that content Mm -hmm. is very interesting because it is a source of my joy but it's also very difficult because it's like it's my job so it's like stressful it's like this weird sort of like snake thing or a boros cycle whatever you have whatever have you but um my thing is is like i always try to be like really open about like my mental health like online Mm -hmm. you know (sighs) because like as a creator you don't owe anybody anything when it comes to your personal life and you know you 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 don't have to divulge anything you can share as much as you want um and i really like that um because you know i get the opportunity to choose to be like hey you know i'm having a super not good mental day <laughs> mm-hmm. and um or you know um, i'm feeling really sad right now or you know I'm i'm really struggling today or stuff like that you know i feel like for me I, I really like that I, I've grown comfortable enough to talk about that uh, openly um, just because I feel like, you know, I want to be able to like, you know, have people come onto my stream and be like, you know, like I know you, you know, I feel safe here. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. I can just chill out here and relax and I can talk to you and chat and, you know, you can ask me stuff like that, you know, like, hey, how are you feeling? I've had people be like, hey, I saw that you were feeling you know, not so happy the other day. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling a lot better right now. I appreciate it. And you know, for for me, that I really like that, because um, mm-hmm. I feel like I can like make an impact with people and just being open and and being myself, which I really
1: like. For sure. And uh, is there a possibility that you may one day like go into social work profession, or are you too deep into magic now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I don't think I could see myself doing anything else other than magic. Um, I I loved social work so much, I really did, but I was also terrified of it. You know, because there was like this big big weight on me. Um, I was constantly terrified of of messing up or possibly hurting somebody. You know, because as a as a therapist, you especially the kind of therapy that I was doing, it, it's very you know, hands-on, you're very much kind of working with your client. You know, you're not just like talking to them, you are side by side working together. And so I was always worried, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, maybe I should have done this. What if I made this worse for them? You know, like there was just a constant fear of, you know, am I going to mess up? Mm-hmm. And that was a very big stressful thing for me because when I was applying for jobs in the middle of COVID, <laughs> which made it hard to find jobs, because you know, you can't like be like six feet apart from a person if you're in a room with each other, like sitting on across from each other. It's very difficult. Um, right. So yeah, I was just all over the place. I was I was stressed about it. I loved it. But like at the end of the day, I'm really happy that I kind of have stumbled into the path that I've stumbled upon because I I love, I love what I do. And I'm really thankful that I get to, you know, have my hobby be my job. I'm, I love it.
1: Tell me more about your magic path, like from streaming kind of, I'll call it recreationally or for fun Mm -hmm. into it becoming more than that. Like, 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 I, I guess, how, how did it develop for you in that journey?
0: It's it's really weird because I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it, and it I it just kept kind of growing. Um, you know, I I kind of kept posting about things on Twitter. I kept streaming. I kept a stable schedule. It was a source of stability for me. It was fun. I liked it. Um, and then I just kind of kept doing it and, and kept doing it, and it just kind of kept going from there. <laughs> it's it's very weird because I feel like a lot of people go into things intentionally. But I feel like I've quite literally fallen into everything, like stumbled into it, kind of accidentally, like one one step after another. And I'm very I'm very happy that I, I I've kind of gone down this path. But like it's also like the most twistiest, turniest, weirdest path to get here. <laughs> I
1: I I'll have to I have to agree. Like so, uh, in in terms of the streaming, like how often did you? did you do it? Like, uh, like, did you, you said make it Mm -hmm. regular? Like, was it just like every weekday or was it every week or?
0: I would do it three times a week. I started out, I think only doing two. Um, I did like two gameplay streams. I did, um, I did Wednesdays and Sundays at night. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was like, how can I, you know, expand my content more than just like gameplay? Um, and I was like, let's try deck building. Um, it actually wasn't even my idea to begin with. My my friend Logan, I mentioned him a million times. <laughs> it was a really good sounding board for me in terms of like content. I was like, you know, I'm comparing myself to the people, I don't really know what I want to do. And he's like, You like to deck build, you do it a lot, you should stream it. And I was like, No one wants to watch that. Um <laughs> and then I was like, you know <laughs> what, whatever, I'm gonna do it. And I did, and people liked it. So then I I went from two nights a week to three nights a week. And I did Tuesdays um, Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, and then I just kept, kept doing that just Mm -hmm. pretty consistently.
1: Mm -hmm. You got to tell me more about this collaborative deck building thing. Like Mm -hmm. what, what, what's the whole, um, angle behind it for those who may not know.
0: So I, uh, I do a stream on, uh, Tuesdays on my, on my Twitch at, uh, 7 PM Eastern. And I typically I'll either have a commander that I've chosen or I'll like post a like a on Twitter, or I'll just decide it on stream. But we'll, we'll we'll take a random commander, and we will, with chat, build an entire functioning commander deck in the entire stream and play test it and, and stuff like that. Um, and I thought it was just a really cool way to like at first kind of integrate an interest of mine into streaming, because um, I wanted to keep you know having that, and then I it kind of turned into its own thing of like you know. Um, chat helping me build a deck and i really liked it a lot because i felt like i had a better relationship with the people who were watching me because i didn't have to have my attention on chat but also a game and my three other opponents i was able to just solely have my focus in on like the deck that we're building and like the recommendations um and it started out with me going you know i have no idea how to build this um so let's do it together and then it kind of turned into this we're going to build this together flat out. Let's see what we can do and accomplish together as a group of like 30 some odd people.
1: That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Is is there a particular deck that you and chat built together that you're proud of? Or are they all, are you proud of them all?
0: I'm proud of them all, but I think the one that I'm most proud of uh, is my uh, Alibu ancient witness deck that I built on, on my stream. Cause that was one of the, there's a handful of decks that I built on stream that have turned into physical decks that I have now, um, and Albu was one of them. And I built it with Chat, and then we um, play tested it. I loved it. I fell in love with it. And then I took it when I went to LA to play on extra turns, and I won. So it was really exciting because it was like this <laughs> this deck that it's I kind built. Kind of
1: validation, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It was really great because I felt like I felt like it wasn't only like you know, like, yay, a win for me. It was like a win for everybody who helped me build it because it wasn't just me Oh, uh, yeah, it was who a collective it.
1: victory. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, which I really like because I. that's why I really like collaborative deck building because you get other perspectives, but, you know, when you do something cool with it, you know, you don't have sole ownership of it. It's like, you know, like if I like do well on stream, you know, these other people who helped me build it helped me win because it wasn't just me. So I I really liked it a lot. So for me, that was like a very exciting moment.
1: How do you get over the challenge of doing something as a group of 30 or 40? Because I, I'm just thinking like in other endeavors, let's say that, uh, you know, even having a meeting with 30 people is like kind of a nightmare, right? Like, and you have to agree on something and you have yeah. to agree on like 100 cards. Like, how do you how do you manage that?
0: It is really wild. <laughs> I've kind of developed a weird system of where I will say... This is the deck we're building. This is the commander we're building. This is the kind of the theme I want to go with. Drop, drop cards in chat, and they just just start like they'll just drop card titles in chat, and I'll add them all in. Or if I don't like the card, I feel like it doesn't really capture the theme. I'll kind of challenge people on it. But typically, I will just put every single card <laughs> that people put in chat. Start by uh, putting
1: them all in. Yeah, yeah.
0: we'll put everything and in there. Narrow. Yep. Yeah. And then we narrow it down. We whittle it down. Typically chat kind of tires themselves out at around <laughs> 140 cards. That's including okay. lands. Um, but I think I've had the most amount of cards it was like 176, I think was the most cards we ever put in a, in a deck, uh, before cuts. And the cutting process is quite tedious, but, mm-hmm. um, we'll just start by section by section. I, I, um, I deck build on Moxfield and they have it like separated by section. So we'll just start at like the bottom and literally work our way up. And I'm like, okay, let's start with the highest mana value on here. Do you think it fits with our theme or our commander? Do you think this is too cute? Is this, you know, fitting with our budget? Stuff like that. Um, and to always throw in like a little bit of like a wild card, I get one veto per stream. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I I cause I don't want it to be like my deck list that people help me make. I want it to be you know we all had a hand in it but if there's one card that i really want to stay in there i really want it to be in there i get a vita which means i can have it be in there regardless of what chat says <laughs> what was your
1: what was your veto card for for that deck that you you played
0: for that deck honestly i think if i'm thinking about alaboo i think it was probably mystic forge um because mystic forge was like a, a piece that i had at the time in my emery deck i had a mono blue emery deck Um, And it got me a lot of value because I could just cast artifacts from the top of my library and -hmm. just kind of thin out my deck a little bit. And it was a really good way to kind of facilitate card advantage in Boros because Alibu scries when you attack, so I would already know what would be on top. So I could do, okay, I see that I have uh, a Mystic Forge and like seven other cards. What I'll do is I will put, you know, I'll get, you know, it's like Soul Ring Arcane Signet grafted exoskeleton or whatever and like a sahili's directive okay i'm like let's put sahili's directive on top of all of that so that i can cast sahili's directive and get all of the artifacts that i had stacked there through my scry and stuff like that and like mystic forge is really helpful because you kind of get to see what's coming next if you don't have alibu out um or if you already know what's there you can cast it and kind of stack your deck so to speak and i really liked that um and i think that was my my veto um either that or grafted exoskeleton um Because chat was like, we don't know if we're going to be able to achieve this, you know, this like infect win. Um, But I know that we ended up keeping it in there. I think my veto was for Mystic Forge, though.
1: Okay. Do you have to have a rule zero conversation with chat to figure out like what is the appropriate power level of the deck? Or is that like, how does that work? So
0: I feel like the power level kind of shapes itself. Um, in a weird right. sort of way, but we definitely do have our rule zero conversations in a different way. So like I'll either go in with a theme or I'll go in with a commander I like, and then chat will be like, Okay, what are what's our theme? Or, you know, like how bad do you want to stick to the theme? And typically we kind of price ourselves out of power levels, I would say. You know, um in the very, very, very beginning of me doing the stream, I was like, I refuse to run fetches Um, like that was like a big thing for me. I was like, I don't want to run fetches because you know, I couldn't afford fetches at the time. Um, so I was like, no. Um, and I really wanted to keep it affordable. And I've noticed that my look prices have gone up, but uh, I typically try to avoid like crazy combos if I can. So, like, I recently built Kadric and I didn't want to do like an infinite combo with like Cloudstone Curio and like, um, Planebound Accomplice. I was like, I don't want to do this. Um, i don't want to run duels <laughs> because i only own one duel <laughs> like i'm like i don't want to run duels um yeah. and I, I try right now and then to like do budget streams too um to challenge myself because i have gotten so expensive with my decks that they kind of have put themselves into their own power level because mm-hmm. i'm like okay you know we got to have like you know, obviously like soul ring and stuff but like let's put in like the triomes and the shocks and, you know, these expensive lands and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we definitely have our own version of a rule zero conversation in terms of like theme cost legality. Cause sometimes I brew illegal decks. It's just kind of all over the place.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know in the past you've given advice or through your articles, you've said, you know, just the biggest thing to Building content or starting is just to do it or to start mm-hmm. doing it. Like, are there thing? Are there other things that you might tell first time content creators who maybe want to do streaming or do something commander related?
0: My my biggest piece of advice is one that I struggle to follow myself. <laughs> so a grain of salt. But like, besides just do it, you know, don't don't really worry or focus on the number. Focus on the feeling that you get when you make content that was a big game changer for me because i did arena and i was like this is what i have to do to be a content creator because in my mind i was like this is what you do there's so many people you know uh, successfully streaming arena in order for me to be successful i have to stream arena but i didn't like it and i didn't do well and it showed <laughs> and so um Focus on the feeling that you have when you make the content. And if you're enjoying the content, if you would watch it yourself, if you have fun doing it, then that is important to kind of hold on to that. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't force yourself to do something that you won't like just because you feel like it might be, you know, the more like successful option for you. You know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, your your passion and your enjoyment is going to shine through more than anything else.
1: Right, mm-hmm. right. From a, from a kind of logistics perspective, there's now so many different social platforms, right? You've got mm-hmm. TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Instagram, like various different things. Like mm-hmm. how do you look at that, uh, spectrum and how, how, like where to play and as a, as a creator?
0: It's so weird because, um, I feel like it's so weird that Twitter is like the social media site when it comes to like magic content, it is wild to me that that is the case. I don't get it, (laughs) but like I do it. Um, and I, I, that's one thing that's very weird to me. And like Twitter is definitely the thing. Um, I've seen some people talk about streaming on YouTube. Um, I tried it once and it really wasn't user-friendly for me. So I just decided to keep going on Twitch. I really like Twitch for streaming. Um, Mm -hmm. but in terms of other social media, like I consider in terms of like content for me, like Twitch and Twitter, because I know that you know um, TikTok is very interesting with its algorithms. Because I've taken like a look at the algorithms, and I don't really want to do short form content. So I I like tried it a couple times. I'm like, this doesn't really feel right for me. And if it feels right for you, dope, do it. You know, mm-hmm. like always, like do what feels right. And it didn't feel right to me because uh, TikTok is interesting that it constantly throws new people at you. Um, mm-hmm. Because of the way the algorithm is in the for you pages, which is super interesting, but getting a, a return on that, like um, people who will check your profile and like look for new videos, is is not going to be as likely as if you were on YouTube, which I think is very interesting. Because um, I've talked to a couple friends about this. I have one friend right now who actually was like, "This is very interesting. You know, like my content on TikTok versus my content on YouTube, the return is interesting." So, Instagram. Eon above me i just use instagram oh, really? for my personal self yeah, yeah i don't i don't use instagram for content i think at one point i tried to um and i i didn't like it so i like literally like nuked my my instagram and restarted it and i'm like this is just gonna be personal stuff mm. <laughs> and if people like it cool
1: yeah tiktok is really interesting because like you're totally right like it, it's it's more like it's equivalent to like chasing hits. I mean, uh, maybe I'm saying this in a negative way, but it's mm-hmm. like, there's no consistency you need in your profile. Like, it's mm-hmm. just kind of like figure out like, okay, assuming the goal is to get like maximum number of impressions, right? Mm-hmm. It's really just to figure out what is trending, do a video based on the trending. And you might have like a million people come and follow you or watch that video mm-hmm. or TikTok, but then they're, they never actually care about the other stuff that you're doing. It's more just like, I'm really into Chase's, um, I don't know, 10 second clip on this but mm-hmm. it, it's hard to actually build kind of a a following if you will right like i so i'm not quite getting that either but mm-hmm. i don't know i don't maybe i'm generalizing but that's kind of my impression as well
0: it's just it's just the way that tiktok is it's just because you know you don't ever really need to To find people on TikTok, you don't need to follow people on TikTok. I should say because if you are liking their videos, their videos are going to show up more on your for you
1: page. Or if you're just watching those kind of videos, they'll know to give give you serve you more, right? So. Exactly.
0: So the algorithm does it for you. So there's no need to follow this person because their stuff already pops up on your page. I've actually um, thought that that was really interesting um, because TikTok is TikTok is like what Vine was. But way more successful in terms yeah. of like cultivating sort of um, like a financial stability with it and in, in terms of stuff. Because I know like Vine died because they just couldn't find a way to monetize it. And right. I think TikTok has kind of solved that a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And it's kind of why I haven't taken a stab at TikTok. Just because like you can get like a lot of people to like watch your stuff. But in tor- in order to get like a return on that, I felt like it wasn't worth it for me. Um mm. Just because I was like, I really don't want to like do the short-term content. And like, I don't know how that will transfer to my Twitch was where mm-hmm. I initially was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I don't know if I can do that. So like, I've just been kind of using <laughs> TikTok to just do random stuff. I mostly use it to just watch videos. But I know it's definitely um, an interesting beast of a social media site that I just haven't tackled. And I don't know if I'm going to.
1: Yeah. This is a really out of nowhere question. But yeah. I know that like, in previous years, TikTok has get gotten flack for being uh, made by ByteDance, a Chinese company. And mm-hmm. a few years ago, that was a big part of that the conversation, which is like, do we trust TikTok? I, I'm curious, like, because you're, you're a younger person, than I am like, mm-hmm. has that conversation kind of mostly gone away? Or people just decided like, TikTok is, is kind of worth it? Or is that still kind of a thing in the back of people's minds? I have no idea what I it's sh- like in the US.
0: I genuinely don't think it's on anybody's minds. Cause I remember seeing that pop up like a year ago on my for you page of like people being like, you know, can we, can we trust like TikTok as Is it like, s- like scanning your face or whatever? And I'm like, right. I don't, what? Like, I, I don't, I don't put that much thought into my like <laughs> <my> social media. <laughs> I was like, I don't get this. Okay. Um, it wasn't even in the, in the forefront of my mind when it was like the big thing. I genuinely don't think that's on people's minds now. It's really weird. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that and going, okay.
1: Well, there was some (laughs) stuff in the past about how like, you know, supposedly it was like collecting like even like your, what you're typing and things like that, or Mm -hmm. like it was like monitoring you. But I I, I don't know. I'm just curious if people still, I guess people don't really care that much as long as it's like entertaining. (laughs) So I
0: guess I don't, know. I have no idea. I just scroll it. it, I tried to delete it from my phone because I would keep scrolling endlessly. It's, it's difficult.
1: It it is very addictive, and Mm. now you see all the other platforms trying to follow, right? Because like you got YouTube Shorts, or you had Instagram Reels, and then Facebook did their version as well. And Instagram's owned by Facebook, and Mm -hmm. and then YouTube Shorts, and it's like it's that whole short form content is really blowing up.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it is. It's weird. I don't like it because like I want each social media site to be like its own thing. So like I don't I don't want TikTok on Instagram. I just (laughs) I just want to look at (laughs) you want TikTok on on
1: TikTok. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah 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 how do you feel about uh youtube because like youtube is like a real mainstay for a lot of creators like magic and otherwise and i know Mm -hmm. you have uh, a personal youtube you also are doing youtube for edh rec Mm -hmm. Uh, so how do you feel about youtube in general for creators
0: um i love youtube for creators i i watch a lot of creators both magic and non-magic so the perspective on like what the algorithm is like for that is very interesting um, I have a couple uploads on my channel, um, of just like old gameplay uploads, but for me, I stopped because I felt like it wasn't quality content that I was putting out. I felt like I was just like re-uploading stuff. And so for me, I want to go back to YouTube. I really do. Cause I think it's a great, it's a great place to be once you find your niche, but I just feel like I couldn't really find my footing in terms of what I could post there. That wasn't, you know, a stream upload, which to me felt like I was being, you know, kind of like, okay, here it is, it's done. You know, I didn't really like that yeah. for myself. It's just
1: like an archive, right? Yeah. Yeah, and
0: I didn't like that. I wanted to do something unique and, and interesting, and I just felt like I haven't really found that yet. Um, but I think it's it's a great place for creators. I think it's mm-hmm. really good.
1: So really, uh, y- y- your voice is really with Twitch and Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Those are like your two. Uh, For talking about fighting game terminology, mm-hmm. like that's your, those are your two mains, or yeah. like your your go tos. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Definitely. good. Uh, Tell me a bit about EDH Rec. Uh, how long have you been working with EDH Rec? I understand that's your day job, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, literally I've been working with them uh, over a year because my uh, my year anniversary was nine days ago. So I've been uh, editing for them for a year, and it's been great. I love it. I love it a lot.
1: How how did how did you? Can I ask you like, how did, how did that gig mm-hmm. come come about? Were you just like a master networker and you make a lot <laughs> of friends and and it just happened or?
0: I, I, um, I, my friend, my friend, Joey was like, Hey, there's an editing position available. You know, uh, would you be interested in interviewing for it? Cause I had been having issues trying to find a job in social work. Cause you know, COVID it was hard. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I would love this. This is like the dream. So yeah, I'd love to, to interview. And I, I interviewed and then I got the job very boring story <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like a standard thing of like hey there's a job opening you should apply and i did yeah. <laughs> it wasn't not... like
1: one of those uh youtube videos about how you like struggle with adversity and like you like it was like the fifth <laughs> time you applied to edh you just got it on the first try so it's kind of boring success story, right
0: <laughs> it's boring but like i just applied i was like i would love to do this for y'all i love content y'all know i'm consistent and I like what I do and I'm not going to get bored of it. Um, and you know, I'd love to flesh out my own, um, editing skills and, and be a better editor. Um, they're like, cool.
1: I've seen some of the, the edits. Like you, you do is it the editing the the podcast as well as the videos? Is that is that what you do?
0: So I um I uh, edit the podcast and then uh we Joey and I go over it together and do some like final tweaks on the podcast and make it look really clean and really nice. Uh Joey uh, you know, edits Joey is amazing, like from just does everything for like the upping the average videos, like that is that is all Joey from like round up everything. It's, it's very impressive. <laughs> cause Joey just like pumps it out and he's like, it's, and I'm watching. I'm like, this is really clean.
1: <laughs> how, how, um, how much has it leveled up your, your, your editing game? Like, cause, uh, I, I you, you must have had some experience editing from mm-hmm. before that, but like, what, what did the, how has the EDH rec experience helped you in that department?
0: Um, it's helped me a lot because I I really like the the standard and quality that EDHREC has in terms of like the presentation of their content and the and their form of their content, um, and that has given me kind of my own standard. It's raised my own standard for myself um, in terms of like quality and, and stuff like that in terms of image image quality even you know how I like <laughs> like the the bare minimum of like just like you know cutting off the sharp corners of like a, of a card jPEG like the difference that makes and stuff the the mm-hmm. timing of a transition and you know the the cleanness of an audio the eliminations of like coughs and ums and stuff like that you mm-hmm. know it would not have crossed my mind in the beginning. And now I'm mm-hmm. very cognizant of these things. Even when I watch content that's not mine and it's not even magic content. I'm talking just like regular YouTube content. I'm like, I wonder how they edited that or, you know, like, oh, I can see that they hit a jump cut or something like that. And I never would have paid attention to that before, but, um, they, they really raise my own personal standard. Um, and I really like that because, you know, I want to put my best foot forward. I want them to put their best foot forward. And I really appreciate that a lot.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh Joey mentioned that you you like to have fun with uh labeling assets when you guys work together. Can you can you talk a bit about that?
0: Yeah. Um I so I, only, the only person who sees those assets are Joey. <laughs> He's the only one who sees them. So I'm like, you know, like as long as he knows what the card is, I can just kind of label it as whatever. Um so I'll just like all <laughs> like um for like Glenn from the Walking Dead card, I named it like Glenn Coco or something. Or like um when I put Tybalt on the screen, I labeled him as Love of My Life.
1: <laughs> I think I think it was uh my one true love, even though I know he'll break my heart. That's what it's it
0: probably it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just some characters that look like they would break your heart. I feel like Tybalt would do that to me.
1: Okay. So it yeah. sounds like you guys have fun. Of oh, working yeah. together. I love yeah. it. And and this is this is Joey 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 Schultz, right? Mhm. Okay. So he's on the west coast and you're on the east coast, so you kind of have this uh like rotational thing almost where like you could go you could work around the clock, maybe? Yeah. I have no idea.
0: <laughs> it's it's very weird uh because all my coworkers are spread across the country. So it's like, you know, kind of like do your own thing. Uh, in terms of that. And I really like it because, you know, I'm a nocturnal person by nature, so I'm up really late at night. Um, and, and Joey's on the West coast. So if it's like, oh my God, like 3am, I'll be up at 3am and I'm like, okay, I can, (laughs) I can discord message Joey. And I know it's midnight. He'll probably still be up or something or something like that. So, um, it's a very interesting because, you know, it's very weird to explain to my family, like my very weird work schedule. Um, Yeah. But I I mean, I love it. And I, I love, you know, having like the work friends that I have.
1: Tell me about what it was like to spend a few weeks in LA with the command zone folks. I understand that mm-hmm. Joey and you went over there to mm-hmm. do some, to get trained. I think it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So originally the command zone was editing uh, the EDH Redcast, Um and I got hired on so that I could, you know, kind of take over the bulk of the editing for it. So we went there to kind of learn, you know, like the, um, the quality of editing that the command zone does so we could like have that same caliber. Um, and it was a lot, it was intense, but in the best of ways. Um, I loved it because I was like, you know, like I really wanted to learn how to edit really quality content. And I was like, you know, I'm learning from the best. So this is perfect. Um, for me, it was a little bit rougher because, uh, i had to fly across the country so i had a bit of like a time zone difference so my brain was like fried for like the first three days (laughs) (laughs) so i'd be like it would be like six o'clock and i'm like it's nine o'clock i'm ready to crawl into bed (laughs) um so it was definitely like that was interesting but i had i mean i had a lot of fun it was great i learned a lot I loved all of the people there. I loved working with all the people there. Everybody was so nice and really helpful. And, uh, you know, you know, I felt really comfortable asking questions and, you know, even questions that I felt like might be stupid. They're like, yeah, you no, know, there's no stupid questions, you know, cause they, they really wanted, uh, us to succeed and be able to like, you know, take over and like keep doing high quality stuff. And so I, it was awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: So can I, can I ask, so like, uh, EDH rec and command mm-hmm. zone have always had this kind of business relationship, mm-hmm. like even before you joined, is that the idea or,
0: um, I know that originally what was supposed to happen was, uh, oh gosh, I don't know much about this because it was before me. Um, mm-hmm. but I know that like the command zone was like, um, hired to, uh, edit the podcast and then Joy was going to, uh, you know, go to LA and learn how to edit and then edit it. Um, but then, you know, COVID hit, so then he couldn't go to LA. Uh, yeah. And so yeah. he can go. And then, um, you know, Joyce started doing like higher quality content with like upping the average and, and, you know, like the stream and everything. And, um, they were like, you, we should get another editor. And then I got picked up and then right. it finally was okay to fly. <laughs> and then we went to LA <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, okay. So it was kind of postponed for a while, and then but then it worked out because you joined the team, and mm-hmm. it, then it made sense to yeah. to do the trip. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. And uh, what 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 is what is the command zone HQ like? Is it just like some massive studio with like like I don't know, like an army of people in it? Like because the production <laughs> quality is so good with whatever mm-hmm. they do, right?
0: It's just it's just like a really it's like a really busy place. Just a bunch of people. I don't know how much I could say about it, truthfully. Sure, yeah. I'm sorry. So if you I don't know. I don't know though. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, like yeah. um, uh, but I just know that it was just, keep it vague. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's just it was really busy. It was really awesome. There were a lot of amazing people there. You can tell that, you know, it's their passion. You can tell that they want to deliver like, you know, the standard of like content. So it was it was really awesome to kind of see and experience that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What was it like? I have to admit, like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like Josh, Josh Mm -hmm. Lee Kwai is like one of my heroes. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not even a huge commander guy, but I just feel like there's something about what Josh and Jimmy, like what they do, that's like really Mm -hmm. extraordinary, just in terms of like doing the whole production thing and Mm -hmm. like having show business backgrounds. Like, I'm curious what it was like to, did you have any interactions with, with Josh or 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 jimmy and like just or was it just kind of like hi you know like because i'm sure they have a lot going on so
0: yeah we interacted with josh a lot josh was very lovely very awesome very nice uh i was scared out of my mind (laughs) because i was like you know like absolutely stressed but um you know like that anxiety immediately you know went away when i was like oh these are people (laughs) and i was like cool and i felt a lot more comfortable and everyone was just super chill and super amazing
1: right 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 Mm -hmm. and uh tell me about like playing magic with uh some celebrities i know that i know that you and joey were part of extra turns right Mm -hmm. and then later on there was some sort of after party can you talk about that
0: it was it was just very weird because we finished filming extra turns and um literally we just got approached and they're like, Hey, do you want to play magic with post Malone later? And we we're like, what? <laughs> and we were like, yeah. In like, the
1: history of the, the world. I'm curious if anyone has ever said, no, like I don't want to play magic with post Malone. I
0: don't know. All I know is that I was just like, yeah, sure. Why would yeah, I? <laughs> so, I think so. So it doesn't
1: matter how tired you are. You probably would still say yes. So.
0: Oh my God. We were very tired because I was still jet lagged. Um, and I was like I'm exhausted but I like wanted to do this so we played magic with post malone until like I'm being very serious I think like 3 or 4 a.m. maybe I like it was like yeah. all night <laughs> just
1: just don't stop just keep it going
0: and I remember yeah. looking at Joey and being like, I'm ready to go home. I'm so tired. It was like at like 2 a.m. And he was like, no, I want to keep playing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll keep playing. <laughs> like I was like, I'm not going to like leave because I want to keep doing this. It was right. a lot of fun. <laughs> but okay. also like, I was like super shaky the whole time because I'm a nervous person by nature, but I was just like, yeah. they're people. It's okay. They're people. <laughs> like I have to remember. Were, were you
1: were you a bit starstruck though? Like just seeing them and because I, yes. I understand it wasn't just posty, right? It was, yeah. they were also, uh, a few other people but it was like a whole group of uh well-known people
0: yeah of. uh cash was there and uh joe Manganiello was there and a couple of people who i did not know were like celebrities until after the fact <laughs> so that was interesting it's la
1: man like every every other person's a celebrity probably yeah
0: right? i'm like why yeah. are they i was like Well, there's just like a kind of cool people there and then i was like oh that's one of the guys from Cobra Kai. I didn't know that. <laughs> Interesting. I had no idea.
1: I wouldn't know either. I didn't watch the show. So
0: I was just, I just remember being very excited um, because, <laughs> because uh, Joe Manganiello was there and um, my mom and I loved him. She loves him a lot. <laughs> from Magic Mike. She loved it from Magic Mike. So I remember when he showed up there and I was just like,
1: oh, he was amazing in Magic Mike.
0: I was like, my mom's not going to believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, your mom doesn't I was,
1: care about Post Malone. No, she likes Post Malone, but she, oh, she would, likes him too. She likes okay. him too.
0: But she, when I, but like but later when I told to her later, when yeah. I told her, she was like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I got some, I got to play with Joe. And she was like, <laughs> Like she, like her mind had exploded. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> she was like, "He plays magic," and I'm like, "I guess, <laughs> you know."
1: <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like how many people just just play? Uh, maybe it sh- maybe I shouldn't say crazy by now, but mm-hmm. it's just like D and D and magic. Like it, it, just seems like there's so many. It's not even closeted. Like just a lot of people just play these things and enjoy them, right? It yeah. From all walks of life, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. I think
0: it really is. Um, it's it's very weird um just because like never in a million years did i think uh playing magic on my boyfriend's dirty carpeted dorm room floor would lead me to playing magic with post malone yeah. um who is the sweetest person alive um yeah. just the nicest person i remember i was like there i was scared i was too scared to ask for a picture i regret not asking for a picture oh no yeah i, you I really it. did you I didn't... he would have
1: said yes 100
0: well like the thing is I, I had a i had all my cards with me because we were playing magic and i was like i want him to sign my wheel of fortune so I, I got him to sign my wheel of fortune but i was so scared to be like i didn't want to come across as like you know uh, a shaky nervous fan which I obviously did come across because when I approached him (laughs) with a Sharpie, I was like, can you please sign my Wheel of Fortune? And he was like, do you want me to sign the the outer sleeve? Because it was like in a a tight fit sleeve. And I was like, Mm. no, I want you to sign the card. He goes, are you sure? And I was like, yes, please. (laughs) I was so scared.
1: That was literally your voice at the time.
0: (laughs) I was petrified. You know, eventually I mellowed out later, but I was like, I "I can't ask him for a picture. I literally was... hand shaking be like, can you please sign this? So <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so cringe right now.
1: <laughs> it's one of those times where you have out of body experience. Like you kind of see yourself like in that moment just being very nervous and you're just like and that makes you more nervous just seeing yes. yourself right yes yeah.
0: i uh i also had a uh, cash sign it and i also had joe sign it because i was just like this is so cool and it's in mm-hmm. my uh it's in my uh, locust god deck wherever that is Oh, it's right here um i put i play with it i love it it's like my like favorite la memory is like mm-hmm. staying up super late and just playing magic with just a bunch of really cool people and so i like freaked yeah. out
1: so I've heard that uh, you know Cash and Post Malone can be pretty competitive. Like, mm-hmm. was the testosterone just like flowing when, when they were playing <laughs> you playing Magic together or what?
0: Ever, I ever, everybody was really competitive. Um, I got my ass handed to me by Post Malone. I did not win a single game against that man. Yeah, okay. I, I got to see his decks, and I'm like, oh my god, it's so expensive. Um, like, they're
1: all like foiled, blinged out, right? Or oh my god, yeah, like, I remember two hundred percent. Right. Yeah,
0: I like. He let me look through his deck, and I'm like, "This is like, this is like
1: this costs more than my house." <laughs> yes,
0: literally. I'm like calculating in my head, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but like obviously, because you know, like if you have it, he why sold not? a lot of
1: records. Yeah, yeah, do it. I do it. <laughs>
0: um, but like you know, they're they're very competitive. They were very competitive. They were super awesome to play against. Um, I like, I. I i beat i beat cash but i didn't win the game because i like i like destroyed one of his creatures and it like nuked his whole plan i remember um Mm -hmm. but i was like okay cool i'm gonna like try and beat like joe and post malone because i got into a pod with all three of them did not win because post malone kept winning because he's very (laughs) good at magic
1: okay he's good at magic he he knows what's up yeah, oh, yeah. he definitely carries himself uh mm. fully with the magic stuff yeah that's mm. that's that's great and did you have a chance to see the rest of la like outside uh the command zone studio or the the place like did you did you was it was it like have you been to la a couple times is that your first time or
0: that that was my first time going um la is huge and joey and i got the opportunity to like do a couple of things on the weekends but we were like largely like working um yeah like we
1: working getting the training yeah it's pretty intense right
0: yeah we we hung out with um with uh rachel and and dan from um the commander sphere because they they're Ah, rachel weeks
1: and dan yeah yeah
0: we got to hang out with them uh one night which was really cool um and we also got to record, um, with um, you know, like I hate your deck, you know, yeah, and that, yeah. you know, is our that, episode that yeah. turned out
1: to be something, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And that was, you know, that was like what we did because, like, I I filmed there, and then we hung out with like Rachel and Dan, and then we also, um, got to hang out with like um like olivia and joe uh joe johnson who's a delightful and lovely individual love mm-hmm. olivia love joe um if, we, if you can actually if you go on uh his youtube channel tabletop jocks because i wasn't supposed to record um and and joey wasn't supposed to record we were like hey just they were like hey come on by um yeah. and you could just see joey and i in the, in the background
1: oh okay just yeah like, yeah because yeah
0: playing yeah. magic with, with, um, with each other. And then eventually oh, you're like, in
1: another table in the background. Yeah. Far
0: in the background. Like it's really, funny. you gotta,
1: you gotta, you gotta link me to video later. I, I don't, yeah. I don't remember seeing that. I do watch some of their videos. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you know which one, I'd love to see you and uh, Joey in the back.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're literally, the, some of the comments are like, is that Joey Chase in the background? And like, it's never explained. We're just there in the background. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I like you're this. Just like, like extras. Like, yeah, yeah, we were <laughs> like, you could just see us like in the corner, I think at one point you could see a guy delivering a sandwich for me and I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like playing and you could just see Joey and I just messing around. Like he was playing yeah. Mimeoplasma and I was playing like Git and then eventually um Brian Kibler joined us. Um and then we like played with him in the background.
1: <laughs> and then Kibler was just in the background as well. He was just,
0: just in the background just... with us just playing. It was very funny. <laughs>
1: this is like the worst waldo version of like uh tabletop jocks
0: i loved it because there was no pressure to like be on on camera we were just like Mm -hmm. over in the corner and like Mm -hmm. no explanation and i loved that i was like yeah cool yeah i'll be here
1: (laughs) i I love the tabletop jocks vibe because Mm -hmm. uh it always feels like when you watch episode, like it it looks like you just got drop shipped into like the restaurant or the place and they're Mm -hmm. just like playing they're going for that really like casual or just like having fun aesthetic which is Mm -hmm. which is cool right because like the the command zone or the game night stuff is much more um produced and obviously Mm -hmm. they probably have like 10 times the budget of all the other productions so they're going for a different uh aesthetic right yeah
0: i had a lot of fun because i did end up playing one game on there like randomly and it was very fun um and joe is super awesome because he makes a very like chill atmosphere because i didn't go in that day expecting to like make content I was just like, mm-hmm. we're gonna hang out with friends, and then that was it, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And like, they would be making the content. Um, yeah. But it was really fun. Joe is super awesome. I cannot recommend Joe enough um right. just a very really a really good person who really wants to like make you feel comfortable and like make sure like you know like you can have fun you can be yourself and you can be relaxed and i think like you can feel that in that content when you say that like you know like you're you're in like the restaurant you like you're in the area you just feel like you're there with them and that's mm-hmm. really cool and i really had a lot of fun i wasn't nervous Um, Mm -hmm. I was nervous for two seconds because I had to get miked and I don't think I'd ever been miked before for playing commander. So I was like, oh, (laughs) and then I had fun. I didn't win, but I had fun. Yeah,
1: Fun is the most important thing. Yes. Uh, While we're on this topic, I'm curious, like how you feel about, uh, you know, yourself, if I may use the third person, like chase on camera, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Do you have to like turn something on or like Mm -hmm. present yourself differently or like be mentally in a different place when you, when you do content?
0: It's, it's interesting because yes, but also no. So I feel like I'm always myself, you know, like I hope I should, but um, when I, when I like make content or when I stream, I, I feel more relaxed, which is weird considering I find myself to, you know get very stressed out by, you know, um, uh, being, you know, like perceived, Um, which sounds very weird, but like, you know, I'm, I'm a very anxious person. You know, I'm, I'm nervous about how people think of me, how I, you know, look, sound, everything like that, um, in person as well as on camera. But when I'm on camera, I'm like, you know, I feel more relaxed. I feel mellow. I feel like I can, you know, be really relaxed with chat and, and play with friends on stream. Like To a certain extent, I think whenever you make content, you always have to be like on because you have to be in the mindset to be like, to be present or to entertain or, you know, anything like that. But like at the same time, like I feel, I feel more comfortable now than when I first started because it's become such a part of like my magic experience that it just feels kind of like normal for me. Um, Mm. And I feel really happy that that journey has kind of happened because I didn't used to feel like comfortable at all on camera. And, and now I do, you know, I feel, I feel fine. Um, and for me, that's really like a big yippee moment because <laughs> I'm like, oh God, you know, uh, you know, I'm on camera. People are going to judge me, but like people are going to judge you anyway. So like, it is what it is.
1: Is it just getting more reps that allow you to become more comfortable or was there some sort of like mindset change of some sort, or maybe all of the above?
0: I think it's all of the above, like a lot of practice. Cause I've been doing this since. 2017 18 time has no meaning um (laughs) so it's like i'll
1: take your word for five years four or five years yeah the
0: the the timeline is weird because like i started like streaming i want to say in like 2018 or 2019 i don't remember it's really bad but like definitely it is just like getting practice being in front of cameras and and stuff like especially when you're a streamer when you when you first start out you're gonna not really have many viewers if any and I think that's the best place to kind of practice being comfortable on camera, because you know, like if you if you go on someone's stream and they're just like, you know, that's boring. You know, you got to yeah. constantly be talking. Just like a and, rock,
1: not saying anything or doing yeah. anything.
0: Yeah, you just have to be comfortable on camera and like always, always talk. And I think that really helped me a lot with my with my stress on camera. Is you like you you want people to stick around and, and hang out and and get to know you as a streamer and get to know your content. And they can't do that if you're not, you know, presenting yourself on camera. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to like take these tips that I learned from like YouTube. Like I literally got these tips from YouTube and I'm like, let's just, you know, talk. And I did. And I started to get more and more comfortable on camera. And eventually I don't really think about that anymore. I used to be, oh my God, so stressed, especially being a very feminine presenting person, um, Mm -hmm. About having, you know, wearing makeup on stream, I would always, in my mind, when I started, I was like, I always have to have a full face. I always have to look presentable, <laughs> you know. Oh,
1: I see. You built up like expectations of what people expect of you,
0: mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, this is this is what I have to do. And then I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> nope, I don't have to do this if I don't want to. Um, and I eventually kind of you know, I built myself up to be more comfortable, but I still had that barrier I had put in my mind for myself of of, you know, this expectation that I that no one really had of myself other than my own my own self. And so I started to become more comfortable um on camera. You know, I escalated myself and then kind of de-escalated myself. You know, like if you look on my streams now um you'll see you know like some days i have makeup on some days i don't have makeup on uh, if you look at you know my makeup now versus my makeup when i first started streaming i used to do the most intense whatever glam eyeshadow looks that you could possibly do and i don't do that anymore mostly cuz yeah. i don't have the time or the energy <laughs> and so like
1: <laughs> practical yeah
0: it is but like i i have become more comfortable with myself on camera um you know because i had built this thing up and you know like i said earlier you don't ha- you don't owe anything to anybody as a content creator mm-hmm. um you know if people want to watch your content they're going to watch your content for you or your or your personality or whatever and so it shouldn't matter if i have mm-hmm. like a full face of makeup on or you know if if you know my eyeshadow looks really cool or you know if i'm wearing my glasses mm-hmm. or whatever
1: mm-hmm. i like those glasses i i Thank i, I don't mind them at all yeah <laughs> they're, they're great. Um and uh how, how have you developed a like a more um like a like a tougher protective shell? Because I, I think no matter how you present yourself on the internet, there's always mm. going to be people that are kind of toxic for lack of a better term. Like how how do you deal with that in general as a creator?
0: it's it, i think that's a very hard question it's not i mean it's not even a hard question it's just the answer for me personally and you know i really still haven't developed that show like i should it it's no very no one difficult.
1: can, right? Because we're we're human. We're not like robots. So
0: it's very hard because that was one of the first pieces of advice that was given to me is if you're gonna be like, you know, uh like a public facing figure or like a community figure or a streamer or writer or what have you, you know, you're gonna have to like develop like a sort of like an armor or a shield or something. And for me, that has been a very difficult thing, like complete and total honesty. Um there have been pieces of content uh where you know i've had my appearance ripped to shreds and i mean like it devastated me oh my god it was like a solid week of just like horrible sadness um and even now it still makes me sad to think about you know like people being very hateful um Mm. you know i mean like there, you know i'll show up on like a like a reddit (laughs) <laughs> you know, every now and then they will just say very hurtful things about my appearance or everything like that. And it sucks. Um, you know, having you, that be like the focus of yourself or, or, mm-hmm. you know, having people, I had a person who, uh, I, I had blocked them, but like, it stuck out to me as, you know, after my appearance on, um, on a show, I had this one person who like would comment on basically every one of my posts and just say, Basically you know,
1: harassing you, right?
0: Oh, consistently. And when I had noticed, because you know, like I um, I don't notice every single like reply I get, because you know, some posts get more interactions than others. So sometimes I just get lost. I found one one day. I clicked on the person's profile because I'm like, wow, that was really mean. And I go through the replies, and like all of the replies are to me and to like MTG nerd girl, and all of them are just hate, 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 hate. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy to me. Like how you can just do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult because you know, I want to be like, you know, it's so easy to like put put yourself out there and like have this protective shell and like, you know, you should let your success speak for itself. But that's easier to say than to actually do. It's hard. It is so hard to um
1: people to have who say that. that are like kind of like that's just too academic, right? Cuz mm-hmm. like if if like if you're a creator and you don't read the comments, like you don't have to respond to the comments, but mm-hmm. if you don't read the comments, you're kind of lying. Like I just feel like like we all kind of pay attention cuz that's the that's part of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Or part of the the deal. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And I I I tried to tell myself like you like you know, like don't read the comments. And I typically don't anymore, but like it's it's very different because you know every now and then like for instance i've been on like hijinks and like all the comments there are like super awesome and i'm like yay this is really great um you know and but sometimes you'll get like the rogue mean one or sometimes you'll just get like the one person on twitter who just like sends you hateful things or you'll you'll be scrolling and you'll get like a text from your friend that goes hey i saw you on reddit today and you're like what (laughs) <laughs> like that's very weird to get oh, a text I see. Like sometimes that.
1: there's even like a second degree kind of thing where it's not even you but it's actually like someone who knows you sees that and it's kind of just just mm-hmm. just bad all around right? i
0: had that one time a friend of mine messaged me and he was like hey i just want to let you know i saw you on reddit and i was like what <laughs> i don't like that because he was yeah. like it's not a good reddit and i was like oh god you know so stuff like that it's it's really easy to be like you know like don't pay attention to it or like be successful but I'm like it's very hard um you know and you know there's some days where i'm like oh whatever you know i'm doing the thing that the the people who are being so mean or wishing mm-hmm. they could do and that makes me feel better and there are other mm-hmm. days where that doesn't help one lick <laughs> and i am going to yeah. be in the pit for a while and i'm going to be a little yeah. sad and you know yeah. it just takes it just takes time you just need a good support system around you you need people around you who who either make content and they understand, or you just need a good mm-hmm. support system to like, listen to you. It sucks sometimes, but it is what it is.
1: Do you have a good support system now?
0: I do. Um, a lot of my support system has been through people I and friends have made through the community. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, cause you know, a lot of the time I, I used to kind of view myself as being sort of outside of things. You know, I wasn't always like, you know, like, you know, I make content, but I really didn't feel like I was like, you know, a part of the community you know i just kind of felt like i was there um and then i realized that was my own mental hang up <laughs> and i just had to kind yeah, I of i was wondering
1: about that like you're pretty you're pretty well known and people seem to like uh, you know connecting with you so i, I find that surprising but I'm, I'm not in your head so
0: oh yeah. god yeah you don't want to be in here it's rough <laughs> <laughs> you don't
1: want to be in my head either i'm sure we don't want to be in each other's vibe. Heads. it's pretty bad yeah, yeah.
0: Five and a half. but like yeah, I, I'm really thankful that, you know, I still experience those feelings a lot sometimes, but like at the same time, I'm really thankful that I have the friends that I have in the community who uh, who are either friends from my card shop, friends who who help mentor me with content, friends who I can bounce ideas off of, friends who I, um, you know, can message and be like, hey, <laughs> this thing on Twitter made me sad. Shocker. yeah, But, you know, like... It it really helps because, you know, I have friends in like, um, in my personal life and I always feel very weird when I say, you know, like my, <laughs> this weird thing happened on Twitter. Let's talk about it today. It always feels weird. Um, but I really do have a really good support system, especially with people in the community who I really have, who I really feel like have helped me grow not only in content, but mostly grow as a person. Um, and mm. you know how I experience things.
1: That's important. Mm -hmm. So you have friends who like are good listeners, it sounds like even if they're not on Twitter 24 seven, like we are, but like, they can (laughs) still uh, understand the struggle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really thankful for that.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, So you know, on one side, there's sort of the um, the nasty stuff, which is like people who are like very toxic. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I I wouldn't say on the other side, but it's like, I'm just curious, like how you feel about parasocial relationships Mm -hmm. online, because like, uh i guess i can clarify what i mean it's mm-hmm. like when people watch you as a creator mm-hmm. they know more about you than you ever know about them right mm-hmm. because you're you're a public facing person and you chose to be in, in a, the whole nine yards so mm-hmm. like how do you feel about that dynamic because like i feel like that's something relatively new in the world that we're all like trying to come to grips with you know what i mean
0: yeah i honestly if i wasn't um if I wasn't doing magic as a job, honestly, I feel like at some point I might've explored that in terms of research with, um, with my master's. Cause it's, it's interesting, um, how you feel like, you know, a person, even though you've never met them. Um, and it's, it's very wild if I'm being honest, cause I've had some people, you know, um, message me about things that I, f- I forgot I like would like, you know, tweet, or I forgot I said on stream or something. And so, you know, um, it's very wild. The first
1: reaction is like, how did you know that? Right? Yeah,
0: it is. Or like, um, I've had people recognize me in, in real life and it's always very weird because I don't expect it. <laughs> Cause I'm like,
1: you got the old magic celebrity. Yeah.
0: It's not even, but like, I'm like, this is just weird. <laughs> um, I got, like I had somebody at my LGS, uh recognize me, uh, the other day, um, uh, for editing EDH videos. And they were like, are you EDHREC chase? And I was like, it took me a minute and i was like oh yeah
1: <laughs> like because <laughs> i just real world right it's it
0: is yeah. it's kind of wild or like i i had somebody in la who was like are you are you chase and i was like yeah and they're like oh my god and i'm like oh my god i have no idea who you are it's very weird um or like the people who feel like they really know you like for instance there's also i think a pair of, a sense of a parasocial relationship amongst content creators ourselves which oh, i think yeah. is very interesting Um, and it took me a long time to break that mental barrier down in my own head because I'm like, oh my God, this person is so cool. And so like amazing, like they're not going to want to talk to me or they're not going to want to play with me or they're not going to want to like get to know me. And then I'm like, literally they're a person. And like, that's been like, I know I said that like a lot, but like that really helps me kind of put things into perspective. Like we're all people. Um, and that helps a lot, um, so there's like a lot of different things about parasocial relationships and content. Like there's there's stuff with people who view you and your content, um, and then there's stuff about like creators in between ourselves. You know, like mm-hmm. I used to think like oh I'll never you know like get to like know these cool people, and I'm like now I know these cool people and they're my friends. It's mm-hmm. very weird.
1: <laughs> it, it it it's surreal sometimes. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah.
0: It is very surreal, very
1: wild. In terms of that, do you find yourself having to draw boundaries or lines with fans? like you know, like because I mean, has has that ever had to come up where like maybe someone you feel like someone's encroaching a bit too much into you know chase mana curves, you know, I, I don't know, like has that mm-hmm. ever come up?
0: No, it really hasn't, which I'm really, I'm really happy about if I'm being honest. I mean, I've had a couple of like weird messages, but I think any, you know, woman or or feminine presenting person in content gets those as a standard, which is ridiculous. But like, um, I've had people ask me to like, marry them in dms or like i've had people yeah it's very weird um and i i think like the most i've experienced in terms of like somebody in a parasocial relationship in terms of me and my content is um friend requesting me on facebook or messaging me on facebook and i think that's the most i've experienced and i'm very thankful that that is the most i've experienced um Mm -hmm. because you know there's there's definitely some people who i know have experienced it to an even greater extent and that can be stressful even scary at times um Mm -hmm. you know you always have to kind of pay attention to that which i think is very interesting but thankfully no i just get you know the the occasional sexual dm or um people (laughs) sorry i'm laughing
1: but it's just like oh it's constant
0: it's a lot it's very weird um or even on my (laughs) on my birthday post i i like i like just recently turned 26 and i was like i just took a selfie and i'm like 26 yay blah or whatever um and somebody commented on it and they were like they made a comment a sexual comment about my hair color um and i don't want to say the thing that they said but i was like Mm -hmm. where did you from a to b my man like how did you get there (laughs) like it's just a (laughs) birthday post or um you know the random like uh, people who will, who, who will find me on Facebook and they'll message me and they'll be like, Hey, I found you on my recommended friends. I'm a big fan of your content. And I'm like, please don't friend request me here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is for friends and family. Cause I have some content friends on there, but it's mostly just so that my family knows I'm alive.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is important to have those boundaries because if you, if you don't maintain them, it'll, it'll get wild. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also want to ask you just how you feel about, where magic's going, right? Mm -hmm. I I feel like where magic's going, it's very, um, I almost hate to use this word by now. It's so loaded, almost like the term content creator, but like casual players, like it seems like magic is more going towards, uh, you know, fun seeking magic players (laughs) as opposed to (laughs) people who are trying to get on the pro tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a pro tour again, apparently. Um, So how do you feel about like where magic is going? And you can kind of answer this in different ways, but Mm -hmm. like just in terms of like, what you're seeing as a creator, and and also in terms of like I guess the actual products that they're they're putting out.
0: So I would definitely say like yes, there has been from what I've seen from when I first started even playing Magic, and my perception of what like Magic is as like um, a card game. You know what Wizards is as a company, what you know content is in general, even from when I was consuming it. It's changed drastically into being definitely leaning more towards what I consider, you know, like you to casual, I would say commander players. I would definitely say that things are definitely leaning more towards commander players, um, which makes sense to me. Um, and that's not just cause I'm a commander player and I'm like, yippee, all the stuff, but like, you know, um, commander players or or, you know like the quote-unquote casual players i like to call people i feel like it's weird but i'm like the average joe player like you walk into an lgs you find a random person you know like the average person you find an lgs typically they're probably going to be playing something casual or you know commander and to me it makes sense to see uh magic and wizards leaning into that more because that is the great percentage i would say of magic players um you know, it's definitely not the biggest percentage and it's definitely not all magic players by any means, um, but I can see that and it makes sense to me Um, in terms of them gearing product towards, you know, commander players with the increase in legends and, and art treatments and stuff like that for me. I really do like it. And at the same time, I don't like it. It's very weird because it kind of comes and goes in phases. You know, I, I love deck building. I love deck building puzzles. I love card design. I love game design. I love seeing it all happen. So for me, it's very interesting um, to kind of see how they're making products for commander players in a way that isn't broken or, um, you know, overpowered or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, I also want people in the... um in the non-commander format i should say to you know be given the same attention and buddy sorry my cat is screaming no problem <laughs> oh my god buddy um but i do want people in the you know who who aren't interested in commander to also kind of uh get that same attention because you know i was never into competitive play i was never into like the pro tour or you know even even to this day i'm still quite a little bit confused the difference between a gp and an and a a pro tour. that's okay
1: everybody is
0: it's so confusing (laughs) but um you know it it made me kind of sad that you know it kind of took a little bit of a back burner um Mm -hmm. because you know magic is you know for everybody it's it's a it's a complex card game that you can play any way you want it doesn't have to be just casual it can be competitive it can be cdh it can be whatever and so for it to be kind of leaning more towards one group than the other it you know was kind of disheartening um to kind of see that happen um so for me to kind of see a revitalized um interest and um i guess representation towards competitive gameplay it makes me very happy because you know it's definitely not for me i'm never going to participate in it but i'm glad that it's coming back because there are tons of people who i know who you know love it you know thrive on that on those formats those gameplay um so in terms of what things are definitely leaning more towards you know commander and towards casual play um But I think we're finally seeing a shift back towards, you know, a happy medium, which I'm really happy about. Um, There's definitely a lot of products, (laughs) which is a lot. And I, I love it. I do. But there's also so much that I feel like we're losing things or we're forgetting about things or things are kind of getting swept up into one another. And honestly, my brain is kind of fried at how many sets have come out this year. I mean, Kamigawa came out this year hard to wrap my it's mind hard around to believe that. yeah
1: like, that felt like aeons ago
0: <laughs> yes it did Kamigawa came out when Joey and I were in LA and I was I remember being like oh this is so cool and then I'm like it's gone <laughs> 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 it's time for a new Capetta oh my god like phasing it's
1: gone yeah <laughs> yeah it's
0: crazy how fast things have come out and I mean like I love it but also we've lost track of a lot of the new stuff so
1: yeah what what's the biggest thing that you feel wizards could do differently when it, when it comes to commander or casual, is it, is it the frequency of the releases as you touched on, or is mm-hmm. it something else?
0: I feel like it's, it's it's like a lot of things, which I know is like the, the cheap answer. Like, um, I think we're seeing wizards understand, you know, how to better do things for commander players in terms of like a reprints. We're seeing a lot of reprints now dropping the cost of cards, you know, um, concordant crossroads phyrexian Mm. altar uh dockside extortionists uh we have reprints of Teferi's protection these are all cards that commander players have been pining for for reprints because the cost is crazy so we're seeing them kind of you know take these into account and i feel like we have to remember that you know change takes time um especially like when we're thinking about a company because you know like i want instant change but you know like a company has to you know take time to implement it which you know can be very like it's
1: a machine it is
0: and i and i feel really bad because you know like i don't want to be like you know they're learning you know they're learning it's fine but like things do take time and i think that they're finally showing that to us in terms of like reprints or um you know mechanically unique cards in terms of like secret layers and um even like the balancing of sets and and even like the balancing of colors you know wizards really taking um taking into account what uh, the community has said about white and how they've been, you know, producing very good white cards lately, which is amazing. We're, we're seeing a lot of, um, a lot of what we've been asking for happen, which is really nice. And I really do appreciate that a lot. Um, we're seeing less, you know, um, sorry, my brain fried. I think no brain fried moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, But i definitely do think that um wizards is is getting better at at listening to the community and taking feedback from the community and, and improving upon it um yeah
1: what's your favorite commander related product that came out this year
0: my favorite commander related product is probably gonna that's a good question um
1: we just said it's hard to even remember because it's been like a gazillion of them, right?
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think about like myself at the beginning of the year. Um, and it's wild. I, I would probably say um I think my favorite pre- I think I would say it probably would be the pre-con. I think my favorite precon from this year would be um Oh my god, I think it would probably be the Dehata precon. And it's so new. It's so new. I feel like that's a cop out, but like I have never had a smoother uh, gameplay experience with the precon straight out of the box than mm-hmm. I had with that. You can tell that the the precon designers are really making smooth and powerful decks that are very intuitive out of the box. Um, but you know they don't sacrifice that for power, so you have a good balance of you know playability and power for someone new, which I really mm-hmm. like. Um, and that Dehada precon, I played it on stream uh, straight out of the box. Um oh, you did I okay. did, and I think I won i I genuinely think I won it was so good, like yeah. the the way that they've been designing precons lately I think normally I would say precons wouldn't really be my thing. I typically in the past bought precons just to kind of rip them apart um mm-hmm. now I just kind to of, get
1: some of the cards, yeah, yeah,
0: now I buy precons to to play them and and tinker with them and look at the the design overall and just kind of toy with them and they're very fun mm-hmm.
1: So they're turning into the new dual decks because I remember back in the day, like I would just keep them to like play with people who are kind of more casual minded. Yeah. And it sounds like you can kind of do that now as well.
0: I miss the dual decks though. I will say there's a lot of magic products from the past that I really miss. Like the dual decks, uh, the From the Vault stuff. I miss that so much. But like, yeah, like I have my Warhammer precons, and I was originally going to um kind of Frankenstein them apart a little bit and take some pieces and put them into other decks. And uh, mm-hmm. now I'm going to actually have them like sleeved and in boxes and like in their own special little box so that if i ever have friends who come over who are like let's play warhammer i can be like boom here let's all grab a deck and play because they're very intuitive they're very smooth they're very fun and very flavorful and that's coming from someone who has nothing knows nothing about warhammer they're super fun
1: me neither and i've been hearing all good things including today from you about like the 40k uh pre-cons i think i just need to pick them up i recommend it
0: i really do yeah they're good yeah Yeah. (laughs) they're very good
1: what would you say to people who uh who kind of spam the argument like this is not for you because i feel like there's this um there's a sort of discourse, yeah. if, if I may use the capital D in the discourse, um, <laughs> yeah. about how like there's a lot of things coming out, and also there's a lot of things that are, quite frankly, like one of a kind and mm-hmm. or expensive, and I often hear that a lot, just in terms of like, well, it's okay, it's not for you. Um, what what's your what's your take on that? And I'm sorry, this is a heavily loaded question, but I I, I just want to know.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's loaded. I really don't. I mean. For me, I think the phrase, it's not made for you. I don't even use that. It's not made for me. Like there are products where Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know I'm not going to buy this. So I'm not gonna like, it's not made for me. Um, you know, it was made for other people in mind and that's okay. Um, I feel like the, the, like the phrase, like, you know, like it wasn't made for you. So you like, shouldn't complain or whatever. I think that's where it kind of gets into a sort of loaded area because, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we as consumers of of this game that we love players of this game that we love creators of this game that we love we're very much invested in um in new products you know card design everything you know even card stock we're invested in these things that might seem minuscule to other people so having
1: non-fringed foils <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> exactly so like you know it's it's obviously we're going to have opinions on them that may or may not be negative or may or may not be positive. And, you know, it's good to, it's good to express that in a way that is, you know, healthy and, and, you know, not hateful. Um, and I feel like a lot of times, especially on Twitter, you know, criticism turns into hate so easily. Um, Cause, you know, we, we feel strongly about things, you know, as, as people who are very much invested in this game. And so I think, you know, my thing is like, If you don't like it, cool. If you feel like there's something problematic about it, you know, criticize something. Like, for instance, when it comes to like Infinity, you know, that's a product that I would, you know, say is like made for me because I love unsets. But for me, it really dropped the ball. So I, you know, made like a teeny little Google Doc that I was like, this is why I feel this way about Infinity. I feel like I'm not going to buy a box of Infinity, which is rare for me to not do. I typically try to do one box per set. And, you know, that's coming from somebody who's like, oh, this was made for me. But um, there's a difference between me being like, you know, um, this is what I think is wrong with infinity versus like, this is horrible. This is bad. Let's like make this like the capital D discourse of the day and make people feel bad for liking it. That's, That's where I think it kind of goes into a space that's not positive because there's no... There's no room for anything other than being negative. And so like when it when it comes to that phrase, for for me, it's just like, yeah, like, you know, something wasn't made for me, or something was made Mm -hmm. for me and it didn't work out, or something wasn't made for you. That's okay. But if you kind of use it as sort of like, well, it wasn't made for you. So you don't have to worry about it, or like, it was made for you and it's horrible. Like, that's where it gets to be this muddy gross yeah that i just think is bad it's a little
1: little too sound a little too extreme and it's not there's nothing redemptive about it right? yeah there's no like actual critique of it uh, yeah mm-hmm. by the way i really liked your article I, uh, your google doc I, I read that i also thank listened you. to a bit of the podcast you did about infinity thank uh, you so yeah <laughs> I, I felt like there were really good um arguments and a lot of like good constructive uh criticisms Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just very hard because on platforms like twitter i mean we all know this like it's impossible to like squeeze everything into it Mm -hmm. and like the platform encourages uh hot takes or short takes so it's it's very it can be challenging yeah yeah
0: for sure for sure especially when it's something that is like quote unquote negative like I don't like when I don't like a product because <laughs> I get stressed out because I'm like, yeah. oh my God, like the people who created it are going to see it and then their feelings are going to get hurt or, oh my God, like people oh, yeah. are going to There's a like... lot
1: of Watsy staff. Like they read the comments or yeah. the tweets, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So like when it comes to stuff like that, I always feel like it's important to be like, you know- I'm just saying this because, you know, I, it could be used for future things or maybe it's not like one thing I really like that Wizards has been doing. I don't remember the exact title of it, but they released an article um a couple months ago about um uh, sets that came out and, you know, they're like successes with them or like. You know, their issues with them. Do you remember? Oh, that you article? like
1: is it is it is it Rosewater's like retrospectives? Yes. Kind of like what worked, what didn't I
0: like that a lot because to me it shows that wizards is paying attention to community perception, which is very important. Um, you know, I, I really did like that a lot. Like I remember in the past a lot of people were like, Well, AFR didn't have party. You know, it should have had um it should have had party. I think if that's what it was, and we got to see more of the party mechanic come. Uh, recently, um, also Mm -hmm. with like double feature, I was really happy to see that, you know, they acknowledge like, Hey, there was an issue with double feature and what people expected it to be and what it really was. And to me, I like that because it shows, Mm -hmm. you know, that wizards is paying attention to what we're saying, which is very important for, for not only wizards, but also for us, you know, as creators, Mm -hmm. we want our voices to be heard as, as, you know, consumers, we want our voices to be heard. So for me, it is really, I like that a Mm -hmm. lot.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a reality check, right? Because first of all, nobody's Mm -hmm. perfect, including the designers. But secondly, it's like, when you read those articles, or at least when I do, I feel like there's still quite a big gap between like, um, the in the know magic people kind Mm -hmm. of like us who are like on Twitter and Reddit all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and then there's like people who actually just go to the LGS and like what they like, because I know you also tweeted recently about like, you know, playing commander of the LGS is like also different from like, you know, being the person, I know you work for EDH Rec, but like being mm-hmm. the person who like has the most optimized EDH Rec decklist and mm-hmm. like, like knows exactly how they want to build it and knows all the pool of magic cards. Mm-hmm. Like there's something, there's something pure too about just the person at the LGS who's just trying to like have fun. And, it, and it's, it's quite a difference as well, right?
0: There's, there's a major difference. And I feel like that's why I like to go play at my LGS. Cause like, I love playing with like my friends online, but I also like to, You know kind of like not be on camera and you know not make content i like to do it you know as my hobby too and like it's important for me to kind of carve out that work-life separation thing um you know people people the lgs you know they might not they're some of them might not be as like heavily invested as we are because we are so chronically online um and like a really a recent example that kind of got me to really pay attention to the local level a lot was um well, I was playing a game of Commander, and um, somebody was playing Infect. It wasn't me this time. <laughs> and um, somebody <laughs> was like, how many Infect points do you need to like lose the game? I was like, 10. And he goes, no, that's too low. And I'm like, it's 10. you know." Um, and so he Googled it. And if you just type in on Google, um, you know, uh, C- Infect Rule Commander, um, the first thing that comes up is an article that is an article about changing the rules of commander you know like a what if article like what if we change the rules commander Mm -hmm. um but the search engine optimization shows it says you need 20 infect to lose in commander And he was like no you see you need 20. But he didn't read the title end of the article. He just saw that the the search engine had pulled up the little because it was a
1: proposal. But it but it was just the first result.
0: Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like we also have to understand like the positions that we have as creators, how we impact things, even in the smallest of ways. Because that was the smallest of ways. Nobody mm-hmm. was like googling or searching for that particular author, or that particular website. But it did come up as a ruling, and that could have you know changed that person's perception of the ruling, and they would never have thought about it twice um so stuff like that too when it comes to you know the differences between like us and you know like um the typical like lgs player you know but at the same time we have to remember we're still regular players too and we're going to make mistakes on camera just like we would make mistakes at lgs's (laughs) or stuff like that that's right yeah
1: Is it, is it, does it make sense to increase the poison count to lose? Because, like, you start with 30 life, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you should also need 15 poison to to lose or something. Uh,
0: in Commander, (laughs) you start at 40 life.
1: I'm sorry, 40. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean? It's (laughs) scaled, right? So should poison counters be scaled too?
0: Honestly, I would like to see them scaled personally, just because I feel like 10 is such a low number, especially in Commander when you have, like, this insane card pool and, um, you know, if you have a bunch of tokens and a triumph of the hordes, good luck. You know? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I would like to see it increase. I can also see arguments as to why it wouldn't be increased. Um personally though, I would like to see it increase, just because like, you know, as someone who runs infect, I run infect. You know, it is a little bit of a bummer to lose to Infect. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh what are your thoughts about C E D H?
0: um i don't i don't play cdh um it just doesn't suit me and my play style um but i can really appreciate it for what it is it just doesn't really fit you know my enjoyment of the format um but i know that like it's very unfortunate too that there's just been such a clash between you know like you know casual and and cdh and like that clash that you see a lot and even still see which is really disappointing you know because you know i feel like there's like this perception of putting them against each other pinning them against each other and like you know what's the right way to play there is none (laughs) there's Mm. no right way to play you know and like also that kind of goes back into the thing well like it's not made for you like you know if you don't want to play cdh you don't have to when i was in um uh richmond for scg con uh somebody was like hey do you want to play cdh And i was like no i don't want to and he goes okay you want to play casual and i went yeah (laughs) <laughs> easy <laughs> so easy <laughs> it's it's a lot yeah. easier than people think it is and you yeah. know it is
1: what it is you have options as a magic player mm-hmm. you can you can uh opt into things you you enjoy
0: right yeah definitely and yeah. i feel like there's just like this unnecessary like back and forth online which is like the whole like the twitter space and the chronically online of it all is just it's unnecessary you know if you want to play it cool if you don't want to play it cool um i was like you know maybe i just you know haven't tried it and so i tried it i played it i did wacky crazy things but it wasn't really for me and that's okay <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. right on yeah what is it about uh metal music and the band ghost that does it for you
0: i love go so much
1: <laughs> i want to know why
0: i okay. it's hard to explain
1: musical taste but try <laughs> it is so
0: weird okay so i'm going to tell you a story um uh my 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 boyfriend the one who taught me to play magic um after he he broke up with me um and, and cheated on me i was like super sad <laughs> i was like really obviously like heartbroken and I remember there was like this artist that I had followed on Twitter at the time, not Twitter, uh, Instagram at the time. I don't remember her name anymore, but she, she was an artist and she would like paint like, like fan art and she painted the band Ghosts, And I was like, they look super cool. So I like, I checked them out and I was like, wow, their music is like weird rock metal, but like, not, not heavy metal, but like, and I was like this is better than like sappy breakup songs. (laughs) And I was like, I'm just going to like, listen to this. And I, they, I, they were my breakup band. I listened to them hardcore. (laughs)
1: Okay. So there was an emotional connection during a part of a time in your life. So Mm -hmm. like the bond is just like formed forever with the the band. And you recently saw them live, right?
0: Yes. Oh my God. It was amazing. It was probably the best concert I've ever been to. It was so cool. They're a really cool band. Um, their whole concept is uh they're basically LARPing on stage, which sounds very weird, but they are. Um basically... so they
1: have they have costumes, is that what yeah. it is? Yeah.
0: So the there's um it's a they're a masked band. Um so they all wear masks. So even the lead singer who looks like he's wearing face paint is actually not wearing face paint. That is a full like mask that he's okay. wearing. And okay. the concept of the band is that, uh, they are like representing like the church of Satan. So they are like, you know, spreading his word through music, through their band ghost. And like each, uh, concert, um, is like, uh, like a service or like a ritual that you go to. Um, it's like very meta, <laughs> but like, okay, it's, it sounds like very like intense, but it's very fun and very funny the wow. The lead singer has he's hilarious, um, because he like he's literally like role playing on stage as like these characters, um, yeah. and there's different popes and and versions of it. It's it's very intense looking at first glance, but it's actually very like lighthearted and also a very interesting uh, commentary on Christianity, which I really think is interesting.
1: Yeah. Do you have a Christian upbringing or background?
0: Um, my family is, is religious, but, um, I was, they attempted to raise me in the church. Um, but I think it was just my sheer stubbornness and lack of interest that just kind of stopped (laughs) that. (laughs) So they're not like super, super, super religious, but they, they are, you know, they, they are Christians. So
1: okay are you a spiritual person at all
0: no no i'm not i just kind of do my own thing i vibe throughout life (laughs) and that's kind of how i view it
1: that that's the way to go yeah that's the way to go um so why what is it about uh you and hall breacher Mm -hmm. like like what's the story behind that for those people like me that don't know it
0: so um one of my favorite decks that i have is uh the locust god um, and it's, uh, my oldest surviving deck. I've had that deck since college and the deck, for those of you who don't know, it's a wheel centric deck. So you run a lot of, uh, card draw spells or, you know, discard your hand, draw seven, um, mm-hmm. shuffle your wheel fortune yeah. signed by
1: Post Malone. Definitely
0: yeah. in a staple. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I love that deck. I've had that deck for a long time. Whole breacher came out and I was like, oh, this is good in here. So I was like I, I snagged myself a copy and I put it in my deck I didn't think anything of it. Um and then I um when when like the first wave of covid was dying down and you started to see like people feeling comfortable to like travel and do stuff, um my friend uh Megan Sheepwave um she hosted like a little mini sort of like magic event at uh, her old apartment and invited a bunch of friends and like creators and stuff to like go there. So we went in the first game I played the first game I sat down and played I whole breacher wheeled. Um, and she, she took a picture of me (laughs) and I looked so smug. I won that turn to be fair, but, um, I I looked so smoked. To be in the fair, picture. that probably
1: all, always happens when that happens. Probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh she took a picture and she tweeted out, she went, This bitch mana curves, whole breacher wheeled in my house or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> in this in the goodness of my own home. And it was yeah. like the first sort of event that um that came to be, so to speak. Uh right. where you saw people like doing something like in like the Twitter sphere. And um it just kind of became this thing and then whole breacher got banned and i was so sad i was like heartbroken because whole breacher got banned um Mm -hmm. and i was on a episode of casual magic with shivam and he joked and he was just like i'm not saying i didn't take that into consideration but i'm not saying i did either and i was like (laughs) oh my god haha thank you shivam yeah yeah yeah, and then on an episode of um dies to removal i someone tagged me that i was in the episode and i'm like oh that's cool i'm gonna like check it out and um (laughs) (laughs) and it was like joked joked about that you know like uh like i played uh whole breacher on pleasant kenobi's um youtube channel Um, and there was like a miscommunication about like wheels decks. And so he didn't know that I had whole breacher in there. And so, you know, it was just like a a (laughs) conversation. And so like, I locked down the board, um, and then they're like, oh yeah. And then someone sees that and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, you know, manicures, you know, got whole breacher banned or whatever. And I thought that was hysterical. Um, Mm -hmm. And then then it got brought up on shivam's podcast and i made that my my like twitter background because it said manda curves got hole breacher banned i thought that was hysterical and when i met shivam in la i (laughs) i went to an lgs picked up a a copy of hole breacher and i I handed it to shivam and i was like can you sign this for me um and he signed it in sharpie and and on there it says his name and then near hole breacher it says you banned me and it's <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever because I miss my whole Breacher boy, but like I he was so good in that deck I couldn't I could not run
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> I love how there's like a part of the. The magic world that thinks like your agenda was to get hull breacher banned and to and to like just just rock hull breacher until like just in every game even though that was totally not what happened it just kind of happened right
0: it, it makes me sad because like i don't <laughs> i wasn't trying to like get hull breacher to do anything other than just be in my deck and yeah. um i i i guess obviously like obviously i didn't get hull breacher banned i would love that claim to fame though, God, mm. <laughs> but um, you know, it was like one of my favorite cards. I was heartbroken when it got banned. So, um, I, I, I do like to think though that my, my whole Reacher Wheeling, the first game of magic I played in person mid pandemic did contribute to it ever so slightly.
1: <laughs> for sure. That was a bit. moment for mm. sure. Oh yeah. yeah. It was, it, it symbolized something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I broke my own heart that day and I didn't even know it.
1: So Chase, uh, what's the best place for people to find you on on social or where you would like to be found your work?
0: Yeah. Um, you can find me everywhere at Manicurves. Um Twitter is like the place where I'm most active in terms of just like day-to-day things from like content or like jokey tweets or like tweets about my life is at Manicurves. Um you can find my Twitch content on twitch.tv/manicurves. Um and yeah, you you can also find my articles. I'm running for Star City Games currently, uh, and you can find my articles there as well uh, under Chase Carroll.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Chase, thank you so much for your time. It's been a really uh, fantastic conversation. I hope you have yeah. a good rest of uh, your nocturnal evening over there. <laughs>
0: I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. <laughs>